Hey, damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. I'm hey, damn guys. Here we are. It's our podcast. We're doing our book club today. <laughs> it's a book club. Yeah, this is our book club podcast. Uh, we had our Hellboy book club that we did for 150-something episodes, and we're actually be coming back and doing some more episodes of that soon. Oh, yeah. And we're also here talking about some other comics that are outside of the Hellboy universe, hanging out with all of our friends. And now Danielle's going to tell you all about ah. it. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're friends. It's friendship time, and we're gonna we're gonna read some books. We're gonna tell you about what we're gonna read, and then we're gonna read it, and you're gonna read it, and then we're gonna talk about what we read, and you're gonna listen to us talk about what we read, and then you're gonna talk about what we talked about when we're talking about what we read, and you're gonna send us a hey damn guys. That's when you send us an email or you leave us a little comment on a social media platform of some kind. And then we, we talk about what you talked about when you were talking about what we were talking about when we were reading the thing. And yes. that's friendship. <laughs> and that's a book club. Back to you, John. Wow. That was epic. That was a good one. I got to give a shout out to Clayton Schofield. Clayton Schofield. Book club member. That's right. Oh, man. He's an all around great guy. It's true. And he shared us on Twitter for his Spotify rap. We actually made it onto a Spotify rap with less less than 10 episodes. Yeah, the person that came up with that didn't get credit for that. That's messed up. That's the nature of Spotify, isn't it? Nobody even gets paid for it. Nobody even gets paid for the people that work there. We were also on my Spotify rap, too. Oh, that's on yours? awesome. Okay. <laughs> I don't, but I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify. Sorry. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I don't really know too much about it, but I saw a great post that said, hey, everybody, why don't you buy a t-shirt or yeah. uh, something like that from the artists that are on your top Spotify rap. Vinyl, you know, and, CD, t-shirts, yeah, go, something. Go, go to their website, go to their store and, you know, buy something online yeah. from these artists. You know, that's a great way. And I thought that was a great message. Sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and it's a great time to do it because it's the holiday time, so give your favorite record to somebody else, or I don't know. You yeah. can do that if you want. But anyway, thanks, Clayton, for sharing us on there. I'm so, That's I was very so excited sweet, that yeah. we showed up on Thank you, Clayton. Spotify rap. We have less than 10 episodes. That's dedication right That's there. That's very sweet. Awesome. Love that guy. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out, We also got a Hey You Damn Guys from Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book club member. That's right. Uh, great episode, you damn guys. And great job, Aubrey. Invincible is such a great series, and I'm excited to listen to John and Danielle read it for the first time. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> In a weird way, it reminds me of The Goon, which sounds like an odd comparison, but in my mind, they have a similar kind of tone. They're very light and jokey and don't often take themselves too seriously, but intercut with brevity that is really dark and serious uh, moments of distress and conflict. Now, obviously, the goon is sillier way more often than serious, but when the shit gets serious, it gets really serious. So there's some intense stuff, but they don't take it too So the goon yeah. would just be oscillating further up and down yeah, those. That's what yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting, yeah. Uh, just like Invincible. Uh, hopefully you get to the spinoff stuff too, so you can read The Astonishing Wolfman. Now, I have read the first... Um, Astonishing Wolfman oh, trade. I didn't realize that was a spinoff. I've read all of the Astonishing Wolfman. Okay. I love that series. I have all the issues. It's a great series. I, I'm, I love that you brought that up. I didn't realize it was connected. I guess it is connected. There are some crossover issues. But there I are. Yeah. I didn't realize he was part of their universe. You are anyway. pronouncing that correctly, Aubrey. It's Wolfman. Yes. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Astonishing Wolfman, which is super great, and I'm so excited for you guys to get to one of my favorite character. Dinosaurus. Oh my god. Oh my god. Are we going to get to that character, Aubrey? Uh, Not in the first set uh, we're doing that he comes out later, but. (laughs) Is this like like the guy that wants to turn people into dinosaurs? Is that like. 
a similar like deal? Soren. Like Sauron. Yeah, like kind, Soren? kind of. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, but it's actually really good. I mean, it's it. I loved him. He's I, I like Devil Dinosaur. You don't have to tell me. Uh, such a great name for a character, though. That's going to be a little while before y'all get to that point. And I'm super here for abundance of Grant Morrison on the show. They are one of my favorite writers, and I'm in the same boat as Danielle on this. But their work on All Star Superman really changed my mind about the character. I always thought Superman was kind of boring and too powerful, but right. Morrison really understands the character yes. and truly wrote the fuck out of that series. Yes. yes, yes, absolutely. Honestly, it took soups from a character that I didn't care about at all to one of my favorite characters, though I do find it not easy to find a writer that truly gets the character like Morrison and a few others have. Yeah, That series is truly what I call a feel-good comic, and it really captures the sense and fun and wonder that a comic book can bring to a reader. And Frank Quietly's art knocking it out of the park doesn't hurt it either. Just a great episode and I look forward to hearing the next one. Awesome. Excellent. Wow. Totally agree with all of that. Yeah, that was great. While we're on it, um, I just want to say in the past, if I've addressed Grant Morrison as he, I want to say that my information has been updated on that today. Yeah. And I learned that Grant Morrison goes with they, them. So uh, from here on out, that's how I'll be addressing them. And yeah. I do, you know, that's this is information I just I just got. So apologies yeah. for in the past for using different stuff. Going to use new things from here on out because that's what I learned. Yeah. So there you go. Exactly. I just want to, the only reason I bring that up is because I don't want people to think like, I don't care and I'm dismissing that because who knows how far into the future people are going to be listening to this. So, sure, yeah. so I say, I just learned about this. They, them, here we go. On as board. long as I can afford the Podbean subscription. <laughs> yeah, there um, you go. So we're just to say that all of us are completely on board with that. And if you're not, you know, fuck off. So. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how, you know, things work is when you learn new information, you incorporate it and you go, okay, now I accept this new yes, information. Exactly. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. Um, good deal. Thank you so much, Hayden. Yeah, it's great thank to you, hear Hayden. from you. Yeah. Um, also, I want to agree like that All Star Superman is just yeah, yeah. so good, and I really wish like people in the like the general public could get that version of Superman. Right. Like you know, I mean, I liked oh, Man of Steel, yeah. but I would have We're loved. We're never going to see that, are we? We're I would have loved to see All Star Superman. Not even just like that, just that Superman. Just that, the, no, the DC and, yeah. just wants to do the same thing over and over forever, so you're, it's not going to happen. Sorry, <laughs> dark and gritty. No, I'm just yeah, but I'm just saying that would be nice. I would. I agree. It would it definitely. Would. We also heard from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said, uh, responding to you, Aubrey, Tim Drake is my favorite Robin, too. Okay. Yes. Right on. I have something very cool. I just got it, too. I'll post pics soon. Oh, I saw those. Yeah, those were so amazing. He had some really cool key Robin issues. He had the first appearance of Tim Drake. And uh, Robin number one. The first, yeah. The first issue of the limited series. And that was that one was graded. Yes, they were. I think they both were, right? Oh, it looked like he had just right, gotten yeah. them back oh, from nice. CGC. Okay. So those are awesome. Yeah, Christopher, I'll share those on our um, Instagram story. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we also heard from Ross Radke. Ross Radke, book club member. Oh yeah. Regarding Invincible, he said, "Aubrey, I'm so glad you picked this series. I can't. To, I can't wait to hear John and Danielle's reaction to the next batch of issues." Okay. <sighs> I so, know, I can't wait to be... So apparently yeah. in the next Invincible... So we're just getting started, we're kind yeah, of ramping up, we'll be, okay? We'll be coming back to Invincible in January. Right. No, Or yes. no, we'll be coming back to Invincible well, at the... At the at, well, we're recording at the end of the year, but you'll hear it in January. Yeah, you'll, okay. it'll be the first episode of the year, we'll come back and do part two of Invincible. Okay. So great, I'm so excited for that. We, oh, I'm excited for you guys to get to that too. <laughs> Everybody's Sounds good. just so excited. It's like, it, I, I kind of start to feel like how you and Danielle must have felt when me and Matt were would it be like, oh, oh, man. Yeah, oh, all gonna, right. Can't wait yeah. for you to read this on BPRD right. or whatever. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I think it's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> we also heard from Mark Tweedo. Mark Tweedo. 
book club member. Sure yeah, is. an all-around all scholar. Check him out on multiversity.com. Yes. He said, I listened to the Invincible episode at the end of a long day and was fighting of sleep for a bit. Every time you said Mark, I'd wake <laughs> up. It was especially <laughs> surreal when Aubrey said, it looks like Mark's fallen asleep. Oh, nice. <laughs> So funny. He says, for the record, I was awake for the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's great. I, you know, it's like, tough. I didn't even think about how surreal that would be, like, because, like, we, we do talk to Mark all the time. And so. Yeah, I was about to say, these are all friends at this point of yeah, ours. Yeah. So, like, I'll, I'll, I'll come in. I'll come home from work. I'll be like, hey, what are you up to? And you're like, ah, oh, texting Mark or whatever. <laughs> the other day, uh, I, I guess this is more discussion that we'll have on the Hellboy Book Club, but. You know, the other day, Atron came out, and at one point, I was texting Aubrey, Matt, and Wes. Yeah. All at the same all time. All different conversations. Three different conversations. She was like, what are yeah. you doing over there? I was like, I'm having three different conversations about this comic book. Anyway, awesome. Friendship all around. Good stuff. It was good stuff. And I have a, a Hayden Orr for you, too. I wasn't okay. going to deprive you of, the, Let's see of being the Hayden Orr guy. Oh, wow. We got another Hey You Damn Guys from a Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Another Hey You Damn Guys. Book club member. Great episode, You Damn Guys. Was not expecting a surprise drop. It really made my Thanksgiving day a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> nice. I'm so glad you guys decided to read such a toad-heavy story as a way to make up for the shade. A few episodes back, winky, smiling face. But really, this issue is a prime example of the old school kind of comic storytelling. Too true. Too much recapping, too much exposition, too many odd character choices, etc. <laughs> it's always interesting to read older comics and see just how much the writing has changed over the decades and how much it has improved. Yes, that is true. Yes, and, yes. and the storytelling through the art, I think, is the biggest improvement. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. And show, don't tell. Yeah. Also, is what we is what we want. Now, on to the most important thing I want to talk about, a brief history of Mortimer Toynbee, a.k.a. the Terrible Toad King. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Toad King. After his time with the original Brotherhood, Toad and Magneto were kidnapped by the mysterious alien being known as the Stranger. Long story short on that, Magneto escaped and left Toad, got captured again and both escaped the second time. After seemingly causing Magneto's death on an alien world, he was fine. Toad um, was among <laughs> some other characters kidnapped by an extra-dimensional dude named Archon. After that debacle, he used a ship to travel back to the Stranger's world. Stranger with a capital S here. Used some of his alien technology to augment his powers, try to rise up as a leader in his own right. After a few solo adventures, which included using a castle filled with traps to try and kill Angel, Angel being the X-Men Angel. Right. Yes. Okay. Toad became depressed and was going to commit suicide. Oh my God. It is very dark, but was talked out of it by Spider-Man, and Toad was obsessed with partnering up with him. So this led to wow. a team up, yeah, with some other characters named Frogman. <laughs> oh, wow. So Frog and Toad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Spider Kid. Okay. <laughs> the trio calling themselves the Misfits. All right. <laughs> okay. After all this is when the issue we read on Thanksgiving happens. So that he just brought us up to speed on the Toad King. Right. Oh, nice. That's incredible. Hey, Nor, you're amazing, <laughs> and I salute you because this is exactly the kind of bullshit I want to know you. about. <laughs> This is this is fantastic. This is mm, chef's kiss. Loving it. Okay, here we go. Toad was still in love with Wanda and wanted to kidnap and marry her. Okay, you can either kidnap or marry someone. You cannot do both of those things. For a while after this, 
Toad actually led his own Brotherhood, capital B, which included Blob, Pyro, and Sauron. We just talked about Sauron. Oh, that's badass. After a few quarrels with Darkhawk and X-Force, X-Force, they they disbanded. Eventually, probably due to movie synergy, Toad had his powers and personality revamped to be super fucking cool because of Ray Park. Ray Park yeah. being yeah. awesome. Ray Park is awesome to match the movie version and you know so they wanted to match up uh, as they often do when the movie comes out and people respond really yeah, well yeah. to yeah. one of the characters that they read it, they're like oh let's do that in the comic books actually. Sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes somebody will draw somebody and then they'll cast that oh, person. Yeah, for real, right? So um, anyway, so eventually movie synergy matched the movie version. In the miniseries X-Men Forever, he along with Mystique were changed due to dealing with the technology of the Stranger once again. This made Toad much more formidable and dangerous, but actually kind of ended up with him having less appearances until he showed up with Magneto's crew in the Morrison X-Men run. And eventually ended up as one of the few mutants to keep his powers after M-Day. Very interesting. Most recently, he was the janitor at Wolverine's own mutant school. But as things often go for Toad, this didn't work out for very long. He went through more depressive episodes. And finally, he's living in what appears to be happiness on Krakoa with every other mutant on Earth. Okay. Nice. For a character that gets treated like a joke, Toad has an extensive and interesting backstory. And after his second mutation, his powers are a lot more cool and varied than most writers seem to remember. Okay. Or choose to use because some writers are just like fuck all that and they'll just completely do their own shit right yeah yeah Yeah. so you know i also wanted to say thank you to you damn guys for continuing to do such a great and funny show and thank you for all the friendship (laughs) throughout the years i really appreciate you damn guys and hope you had a great thanksgiving oh that's really sweet sweet. thank you well we love you you're a friend and uh, thank you for those kind heartfelt words and thank you for that incredible rundown on toad i know oh, the yeah. terrible toad king think, uh, amazing yeah we got to get with hayden we, we got to get oh with yeah him on a future we got to have him on um, here yeah for sure he, yeah. he did a great job he did on a great that. job I, I would love to learn more about his he would uh, be good at this he knows a lot of x-men he more, should come so on that's, here that and do be it that'd be fun yeah. <laughs> All right, very good. Very good. You know, while you were talking about that, me and Aubrey are over here Googling the stranger. I like wow. how he's this powerful, <laughs> okay. he's this powerful alien being, but he just looks like a guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, a like lot a... of back in the day, a lot of it was like, he just looks like the goofiest motherfucker imaginable <laughs> kind of a thing. This guy is not afraid to show his legs either. But I love the mustache. That. That's why. Oh, I do yeah. like that's that what I remember. That's yeah. what I remember about the stranger the most is that mustache. Right. The stranger. I forgot about the costume. Yeah. <laughs> the stranger. The stranger. I don't know about that. I All know right. that uh, Thanos got one of the Infinity Stones from him. Okay. Oh yeah, Thanos Quest. Yeah. Oh shit! I, can... I even knew that. Wow. I, I just yeah. read it because I got that just Return of Thanos that. on the. Oh, I got wait. that trade paperback. That anyway. is so nice. dense that I completely <laughs> forgot the thing that I recently read. <laughs> Thank you, Aubrey. Awesome. Jeez. Oh, and speaking of Grant Morrison, now we're going to go on speaking to Speaking our... of dense. Yeah. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. And this week we're reading New X-Men issues 114 through 116 and 121, published in July of 2001. And now I'm going to hand it over to Danielle. Let's oh, do this. Oh, shit. <laughs> you guys are fucked. Okay. So I I realize that we're talking about new X-Men, but the X-Men is such a long, varied history. I feel like I should give a little bit. If this becomes too much, you can stop me or cut this out of the episode or whatever. I'm just going to give a little bit of the X-Men. Here we go. Since the beginning of time. No, (laughs) it feels like that. It's going to feel like that. 
It's going to feel like, just bear with me. Stanley and Jack Kirby come up with the X-Men in the 1960s. They wanted a team of superheroes that didn't have radioactive spiders or gamma radiation going on. So they were like, hey, these people are mutants. They're just, they're born that way. So the conflicts and storylines that arise within the X-Men are like kind of, you know, they're allegorical in nature. They're a reflection of the struggles that various minority populations endure. So the struggles of the X-Men are often compared to issues like racism, anti-Semitism, uh, LGBTQ2 plus individuals, and so on. Various right. forms of bigotry in society. So yeah. a lot of X-Men storylines examine the public's perception of them. They explore that, that dynamic a lot more than most books. So anyway, after that comes Chris Claremont. This is 1970s. Claremont did a lot of yes, writing for the dude. X-Men. Oh, so Contributed years. a lot. Uh, a lot of art by Dave Cockrum, John Byrne, etc., this is where we get all the Phoenix stuff from, Wolverine, Mystique, Colossal Storm, Nightcrawler, etc. So the 80s, we got some notable storylines, Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past, um, bajillion spinoff titles, Uncanny X-Men, New Mutants, X-Factor, Excalibur, Alpha Flight, Wolverine, shit. Anyway, so you got a lot of notable characters, Gambit, Kitty Pride, Rogue, Psylocke, Dazzler, Jubilee, Hellfire Club, Apocalypse, Saber, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so Mark Silvestri's working on a lot of this stuff. That's why actually when I started collecting uh, okay. X-Men, Mark Silvestri was right. the artist. So a lot of people uh, are probably familiar with Dan this. Green. Okay, Dan Green. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot going on there. And in the 90s, this is all revamped again. A lot of series, a series is launched that's just called X-Men. This is oh, yeah, Jim We get Lee. Blue and Gold. We get Blue and Gold, uh, Cyclops and Storm. Jim Lee's working on X-Men. A lot of people I've spoken to about the X-Men have cited this as their era of X-Men, like the Jim yes. Lee stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, his designs ended up being crucial to the X-Men animated series in the 90s, which, which got is, a lot of kids into the X-Men. Which is also coming back. <laughs> yeah, and I've said this many times of like, this got me kind of reading comics for real, for real. Right, I was right. like, oh, yeah, let me yeah. look into this, you know? And um, X-Men number one is still the number one selling comic book of all time. True. That is true. Wow. I think I had some ancillary, you know, the way that kids just have comic books. You get them, like the little kids. But the, what really was like, I got to get into this, was yeah. the X-Men cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was uh, deep into the X-Men by the time that X-Men number one came out. And okay. so I... Um, wow, that's I was had, that was collect. like your era. Yeah, so like, I had all that. I had the X-Factor. And then that end, we had an X-Force and... Um, Whatever, all that, all that shit, all that fucking late eighties, yeah. early. 90s I don't mean to gloss X-Men over stuff. anything. I'm just trying to be there no, 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 so no, no, much, no, so I, I just didn't want no, to like no, bore no, anyone. You, no, when you when you start talking about it, yeah. But, but then like right after time after that, it's kind of got out of comics altogether. When right, right after that launch, I feel you. So uh, yeah, so this got me kind of reading X Men comics. I've spoken to other people who said this. Uh, X Force happens in here, like we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Cable, you got Bishop, and there Rob Liefeld working on this. Like him or not, he's in there. Bunch of these guys working <laughs> on these books. <laughs> Left informed Image Comics. So he's just he, he is occasionally a controversial figure just sure, for whatever reason. Yes, but you know what? Yes. He seems like he's keeping his head down, doing his thing, working on his thing. More power to him. Yeah, I right. Mean, he's working on it. That's he fine. Seems to genuinely love comics. He does. I mean, yeah. he he doesn't seem to. I, I, yeah. I don't. I have not heard anything bad about. I don't his know this person. man personally. Yeah. 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 So it's like you know what he does his thing. That's good. So uh, I will say this: like when we were doing the what ifs, like there was one point where Aubrey had picked. Uh, I almost a, he, picked. You one. almost picked a what if that was drawn right. by Rob Liefeld. And it was so fucking cool. It was. Okay. And it was good. And I yeah. was like, but it was like his early shit. Right. You know what I mean? It was, I was before like before he did New Mutants. And I right. was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. And whomst amongst us would not stand up to yeah. intense scrutiny by millions of people sure, sure. on the things that we do the most. Like, yeah. you know, I th- you know, it's anyway, it's so whatever. So, but he's in there and uh, a lot of these guys were uh, formed Image Comics, which we st- Read a lot of Image Comics. We yeah. talk about oh, them yeah. a lot. So that brings us to New X-Men. So we're starting with uh, New X-Men issue number 114. Writer, Grant Morrison. Artwork, Frank Quitely. Inks, Tim Townsend. Color, 
Brian, uh, Haberlin or Haberlin? One of those. <laughs> Lettering, comic craft, editing, Pete Franco and Mark Powers. The year is 2001. <laughs> the X-Men have been going for roughly 40 years. Grant Morrison is like, I'm running for the X-Men now. So a lot of the things that we currently take for granted about X-Men characters got their start here or were expanded in a meaningful way, which is pretty interesting. So could, like Cassandra Nova's introduced, you know, we get secondary mutations, certain specific ones like... A few notable examples would be Beast looks like a big lion man. Emma, Emma can do diamond skin. This is what we're about to get into, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Emma Frost is a team member here. Yeah. Genosha gets destroyed. Negasonic Teenage Warhead makes a first appearance and then dies. And then we see some of this character later in subsequent Astonishing Run. And then they're resurrected in some other shit like Necrotia. Yeah. I, so, uh, yeah, Beak is in I there. I that. Right. So we get a lot of Phoenix I read stuff. That too, yeah. We get uh, Xavier Institute as like an actual school. Some of the stuff in this run was eventually retconned, as we see with a lot of comic book storylines, like the Zorn and Magneto stuff, where Magneto's killed, but just kidding, he's Zorn, but wait, there are several people, oh, House of M, House of M, it's, did it, it's like, this makes no sense, (laughs) but whatever, none of it has to make sense, it's fine, it's X-Men. So, Astonishing X-Men ends up being the direct continuation of this Morrison run that we're about to dive into, so despite the, whatever, shittiness surrounding the writer on that run, it's almost universally regarded as a good, excellent run, get it, excellent. So, whatever you think about the man's personal life, like, it was a good run. So that sucks. I don't know how to talk about that. This is such a small detail, but I appreciate the logo for this run. Aubrey, you and I have talked yes, about this. Um, yes. The oh. fact that it says the same thing upside down when yeah. you spin it upside down. Uh, yeah. We're talking I about can. how we imagine we, like, we imagine Morrison and Quietly in a meeting room where they just draw a new X-Men well, in, on, like, on a napkin and they slide it over to the executive dudes and they just frown. And then like someone turns it, it upside down <laughs> and it says new X-Men and everyone just immediately just hits hooting and hollering. Yeah, I remember an interview and he was like talking, I think it was to Joe Casada, and he's like, I want to call it New X-Men. He's like, nah, and he wrote it out. He wrote it out. New X-Men. And he slid it over and then slipped it around. And so no matter which way you're looking yeah. at it, it reads New X-Men. It's really good. It's really good. Like, it just, it's such a great look, but it just jams down on a very specific part of my brain in such a satisfying way. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just really enjoy that in such a weird, unexplainable way. It's very satisfying. Uh, but it's also nice because, like, this is, they, he came in and he basically cleaned up the X-Men because the X-Men, <gasps> they were riding high through the 90s and then, then they just sort of crashed at the yeah. end. And then there was too much ancillary and thing, onslaught they, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. Uh, There's no cohesive story. They, they tried to bring Claremont back and he even couldn't figure yeah. it, fix it all that. And so Morrison's like, yeah, we're not going to remove move anything, but we're just going to go forward. <laughs> very i think it takes a lot of courage as a writer to do that and so, like we've talked about so many times in the past of like well fuck mm-hmm. all this shit i'm just gonna do my own thing yeah, he's yeah. like no i'm gonna own this i'm gonna take all of this and continue it and it's brilliant it's really brilliant and then um the mo- the x-men movie had just came out and then so you know <laughs> they're already in their black leather and the, the school looked like a school whether you yes. whether, what, how your feelings on the x-men series of movies when there are some good and they are some really bad ones yeah. sure um, sure but one thing I always liked about it is the first movie, it showed the school being a school. Yeah. And then um, this is what, this is, that, yeah. this is the X-Men that kind of got me back into reading X-Men. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, a lot of people feel that way because it's so, like, so good. I started reading it and it was just like, this kind of feels like what they were doing in the movie, but more in line with fucking the 616. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. And just looking at this cover right oh, here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So 114. Good. So uh, one thing I think is interesting is, yes, the logo is amazing. Yeah. Um, and it really stands out, but then they kind of blacken out all their faces, yeah. so you yeah. just see the logos on the costume. Yeah, and it like really the it drives the, it the, home. The, you 
you're like, wow. Yes. I mean, you're yeah. just like, this is different. You know I love, what I mean? And so I've talked about very impractical costumes in the past, but so much, <laughs> but so much, let me, let me get this out. So much of this is so artful. Yeah. Yeah. And artistically stylized. Right. That the negative space making Emma's costume so in character. And it's not in character like, well, that character just likes to be naked. Like, she has such a sense of absurd style. Right. Yes. Yeah. And she fucking would. I mean, think she of her, would do think it. Think of her yeah. original costume. I mean, yeah. She, she fucking would. would. She would do that. And them. you know what? I'm loving <laughs> her for it. And yeah. I'm loving quietly for it because it's like, he's not. Because we have examples of other characters who are dressed head to toe like their neck is covered their ankles their yeah, wrists they're wearing like turtlenecks <laughs> completely head to toe every bit of skin that can be covered is covered and so we know that he's not just like i just want to draw sexy boobs like right he's yeah. not doing that he's doing that because there's a fucking reason yeah. and you know jean's not she's dressed like the rest of the x-men and you've got yeah. that going so i i fully believe that this is just a very stylized wouldn't it be cool if yeah. negative space and Emma totally would. Let's well, do it. I, I, you know what? And I know that I'm kind of, it's a bit out of character for me. I understand that. I'm kind of making an excuse for something that I really <laughs> like and I get it. So, you know, dunk on me all you want, but Look how I'm turn... going to excuse it. Look to how the turntables have, yeah. I'm excusing it. I've got no excuse other than, you know what? It's fucking rad. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. It's rad. I think it's just so cool how, like, you can't see any of their faces. It's like you know who this is. You know yeah. who these yep. characters are. You already know. They're the X Men. You, you know. You don't. We don't have to say. You anything. already know. Yeah. I also like how the costumes, like they're like modern for two thousand and one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This whole but, thing I mean, looks like a like, music video. It's like they took the idea of the nineteen sixties. They're all wearing the blue and yellow jumpsuit mm -hmm. and kind of. Well, turn the blue to black, well, we and then doing that. that X and all that kind they of stuff. They talk about it in yeah. the story, which I love. Yeah, and so anyway. I mean, I just love it. And then, but I also like how like Gene and Cyclops are both wearing the jacket, but Beast's jacket open, but he's still got the X shirt. And then Wolverine's yeah. got the jacket open, but you know he doesn't have anything on his shirt. Yeah, because you know what? Yeah, fuck all that. He's too cool. Also in character, mm -hmm. and you know what? There's another thing. Wolverine is half naked for a lot of this, so <laughs> you know. There you go. Uh, e equal opportunity. Okay. <laughs> uh, He's also half fleshless too. So anyway, there it is. There it is. Equal anyway, let's let's get into this. Let's get into this. Let's yes. dive into this. So we start off the very first page we've got here is uh, we've got Cyclops lasering a big old sentinel, and uh, underneath there is a guy hiding, cr crouched in a, a hand that was probably oh. once grasping him. Oh so yeah. They're saving this guy. So Wolverine is just. Absolutely berserkering <laughs> this is. sentinel that is actively falling to the ground. And he's like, Wolverine, you can probably stop doing that now. Just very, very cool, very calculated, you know, just very chill, which... Um, I love how this yeah. is how they bring you into This it. is how they bring you into yeah. it. Yeah. I love that. And it's just like, okay, you get it. The yeah. X-Men are fighting the Sentinels. They saved this guy. They're in yeah. Australia or something like that. And this, then it just cuts to something completely but this, this, different. This tells us so much about the characters without... All like pages of narration blocks, rectangles like Scott Summers is the leader, and here's why he's the leader, and Wolverine is a he's a berserker, and here's why. And he no, it's just like you've got Wolverine going ape shit on a sentinel, yeah. and Scott's like, okay, you can probably stop now. I that like tells that. us so much about yeah. those two characters. I like that. Just from one little page, minimal dialogue. 
one word bubble. You know, like back in the like the. I mean, I love Claremont, but you know, he would have wrote. Since I was a kid at school, I've been taught to be the leader, and now I have sure. to be the leader <laughs> and all this. And so I'm going to blast this Sentinel and man, Gene and. Well, that's what uh, comic books then, were. Uh, that's what comic books were. And then I left yeah. my wife. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's what it was. And then for a and long then time. he goes, Wolverine, you can probably stop that now. And sure. Wolverine's like, I was. Fucking kidnapped and turned into a machine. That's why my personality is like this. Well, just show us. It's like we know all that. So with Quietly, so Frank Quietly is like doing a lot of storytelling here, and Grant Morrison yeah. is like, yes, do that. And I, uh, Aubrey, you brought to our attention there was a documentary about Grant Morrison. Oh, uh, Talking with Monsters? No, Talking with Gods. No, that's the name of the book. What is it called? It is called Talking with Gods. Yes, it is called Talking sure. with Gods. It's on yes. YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. So, so yeah. I, you know, in this, um, I was actually quite curious about this, whether um, Grant Morrison, how, how much does he discuss that process of like, is he saying, hey, and on this page, this, that, and the other, and all this stuff, and the artist says, okay, cool, what if I did this? Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly are, they're very close friends, and so they do a lot of discussing, and they do a lot of that. And so then, but with some other artists, Grant Morrison barely doesn't talk to them at all. So their process is different with each artist that they work right. with. So yeah, yeah. there Absolutely you go. Right. Very interesting, very cool. So uh, next page, we uh, open up for realsies on our story here, and they're starting us off 30,000 years ago. <laughs> Kind of like how I started you guys with um, <laughs> I know. with Jack Kirby and Stanley, <laughs> good, yes. with a violent conflict between Neanderthals and Homo sapiens. So the character here referred to as Miss Nova, we find out later in the story, her full name is Cassandra Nova. She's apparently the world's foremost evolutionary biologist here, is how she's presented herself. Okay. Uh, so she, well, that, that's, as far as Trask knows, she's showing the scene to a man that she refers to as Mr. Trask, who reveals himself to be a dentist. So I guess he would be Dr. Trask, DDS, right? Uh, Anyway, she's trying to convince him that the human race will be extinct and replaced by mutants soon unless mutants are exterminated. She's trying to do a job of of making Dr. Trask understand why this is a big deal. Right. So uh, cut to Xavier Institute for Higher Learning. Beast has built something for Professor X to wear on his head. Oh, wait, wait, before we get to that. Please. Uh, I really like this kind of way they opened it. Oh, the, right. With, with the, like the uh, yes. It's yeah. almost like cinematic because it's like Scott Summers. It's extraordinarily yeah. cinematic. And then the E for extinction. This is very oh, cinematic. Right. Yeah, I didn't mean to skip yeah. that. Thank you for yeah. bringing yeah. us back that to that. very cool. No, I didn't want to skip that. And That's I like, great. Um, his eyes are different colors. What I... is that about? Um, oh, because it's Cassandra Nova and Xavier. Yes. Yeah. 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 And this is actually Cassandra Nova's first appearance, too. Yes. So they're just, uh, they're just like bringing her into the comic for this. Yeah. The omnibus I was reading, like that's what the outside jacket I've been mm. staring at it for two weeks. <laughs> nice. No, it's an excellent. Yeah. I, I really like that. It's again very stylized and cinematic, and yeah, yeah it's really cool. It kind of Just sets, sets you, you up, up yeah. yeah, for what yeah. you're going to experience. So, a uh, cut to the Xavier Institute for Higher Learning. Uh, Beast has built something for Professor X to wear on his head, and he is cautioning the professor against accidentally tearing up his earlobes in there, explaining that his brutish paws aren't articulate enough to do the fine craft work he normally does. So we don't get any thought bubbles or big narration rectangles telling us that Beast is upset about his secondary mutation. His big old hands are hindering his usual work. He's all self-conscious and frustrated. No, we get that in the actual dialogue and in the character's behavior. Yeah. He speaks the way he would speak if he were actually in that very weird situation and we just get it from the context. So you're just thrown in the situation. They're just like, keep up. Just keep up. And I love that. So Beast tells Professor X, uh, Cerebra's ready to rumble. Cerebra, you're Cerebra. thinking. They don't stop and say, well, Cerebra is kind of like Cerebro, except this. No, Professor X is like, oh, cool. So a Cerebra works. My psychic powers will be amplified. Is that, is that the idea? Jean Grey's like, oh, Cerebra. 
Beast is like, yeah, this is Cerebro's big sister, kind of like Cerebro, but it's global. There's some banter in there. It gives us an indication that these people have a good working relationship. So not only does it tell us what's going on, it gives us an idea of who the characters are. Just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, Gene and Beast can both see what Professor X sees. Very psychedelic while he's operating Cerebro. So they're commenting on how the device is showing them each person on the planet. That carries the X gene, and, and that gives them all their mutant abilities, and etc. A Beast notices a big spike here, big flare-up. Before they uh, start noticing all that, I like this little interaction between him and Gene. Right, Where, yeah. like, she's asking if, she want, if he wants a soda, and he's like, diet, exactly. please. And she just grabs him with her powers, and then, then they go to the watching the... Well, no, exactly. They have a, like I said, they have, it gives us an indication yeah. that they have a good working relationship. Oh, yeah, no. I, yeah. I just like the little banter back and forth, Absolutely you know? great banter there. Well, and I think there's a cute beat, too, where she drinks it normal, and he rips the whole top off. Gorgeous. He's got to rip the whole top of the can. I think off that's to beautiful. Drink it with her, so it's really anyway. good. Like the little details in the art yeah. there that just tell you who these people are. Fantastic. Yeah. But then this this page where they're like looking at um, what Professor Xavier sees is just gorgeous artwork. Yeah. You know, I mean, Frank Wiley's every yeah. page is just there's nothing wasted. It's all gold star A plus material. Fantastic. And when Beats was like, "What was that big zoom?" I was like, wait a minute, what? And I went back and I was like, holy shit, there is a big zoom on yeah. there. Yeah. It's cool. Like, they don't put it right in the center. Like, I don't know. It's just... Right. Uh, it's just there. You get the sense that, like, it just spiked up for a well, second and he just caught it. Well, Beast notices this because of his analytical mind. Right. He's yeah. the one who noticed it. As opposed to... They didn't show everyone. They yeah, just yeah. had Beast saying. What's so that? yeah, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's a signal in South America. They, they're all pondering what that could mean. They decide to ask uh, Logan and Scott about it, who are on their way home from rescue operations in Australia, like we saw on the first page there. <laughs> <laughs> so cut to Wolverine and Cyclops aboard the Blackbird of the X-Wing, or whatever they're calling it here, and you can see the curvature of the Earth, so we know that they're in a craft that can fly at outrageously high altitudes, but more importantly, that it can fly at super fast speeds. Yeah. Uh, because that's what actually causes that um, oh, no okay. gravity thing. So they've rescued a mutant from a sentinel attack. Sentinels are sometimes robots and sometimes androids, but they are these big giant things shaped like a dude and are designed to hunt down mutants and exterminate them, and we find out more about the sentinels later on. Okay. Uh, the mutant that they've rescued introduces himself as Steve, but his friends, his mates, they call him Ugly John. <laughs> so he's fine with that. If someone's fine with that, hilarious. that's fine. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Cyclops politely asks Wolverine to stop smoking, cracking a little joke about it like you've got healing powers, the rest of us have to use our lungs. We get a close-up of Wolverine here where he's explaining that he can't help smoking. He was set on fire. He's actually smoking. He's actually yeah. his, flesh. his flesh. He is isn't burning. smoking a cigar. His skin is smoldering, <laughs> and that is what is causing the smoke. His skin is all gnarled up and burnt. He's very disfigured. I wonder if they uh, did it like that because, you know, you used to always see Wolverine with a cigar. Yeah, this is an but, interesting um, way to do it. I think when Joe Casada became the publisher, the editor in chief, he's like, no more smoking in comics. I think that's right. actually the Comics Code Authority. That no, no, that. because they don't do the Comics Code. No, anymore. they stopped doing the Comics because, like, back that's in what the, I'm saying. No, the Comics Code. You could see Wolverine smoking a cigar all day. He long. did. Yeah, that's when I sort of started reading. He was always smoking. Why did I think that? Because that would actually be something. I to was keep under a misconception. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but I know, like, Joe Casada. Um, I think it was him. It was either him or Bill Jamis came out huh. and said. No more smoking because okay. we're selling these to kids and we don't want kids to That's see, actually great. You know. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, cool. I wow, I had that totally backwards. Yeah. That's so interesting. I don't know what time is apparently. And then um when Disney bought Marvel, that it also all of a sudden retroactively applied to the movies as well. Huh. Okay. Wow. All right. 
I learned something today. <laughs> so interesting. So uh, Wolverine makes a little comment here. He says, Sentinel's hardware's getting old. 5,000 rounds of live ammunition, two death rays, four Rolls-Royce engines, $3 million worth of RAM, and five minutes later, it is rust on my knuckles. I love that. He's popping out a bullet. <laughs> He's casually oh. <laughs> opening up his own neck with his fingernail, not his claw, his, yeah. his fingernail, and digging out a bullet from his own flesh. Yeah. So in case you wanted to know whether or not he's hardcore, there's no narration saying Wolverine is hardcore. He's doing hardcore shit. Yeah. yeah. Love it. That's a cool uh, detail by Morrison to put in what a Sentinel is made of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the hardware. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Because Grant Morrison is about to very quickly deconstruct what a Sentinel is right. is made of, can do, etc. So they want to set it up. Okay, here's what we had. Right. Here's what everyone's used to. Wolverine's like, ah, this is no big deal. I can handle this. It's just not a big deal at all. And then immediately they're thrown into a situation almost immediately after he makes this comment right. <laughs> where that is not the case. So I love that. Just setting that up really well. What do you think of uh, Ugly John's face? They, they do a good job with that. I think it's it's a, really interesting design. Well, we're yeah, about to get into yeah. that. Uh, Some trippy shit. Yeah. Cyclops shares his observations. The Sentinels, they just face look like decommissioned government ordinance saying that they're left over from the big mutant witch hunts a few months back. So we get kind of like why they're in this situation, okay. why they're rescuing yeah, this yeah. guy. Yeah. The guy they just rescued, Ugly John, comments that Wolverine and Cyclops are the good-looking muties. And Wolverine right. says, oh, it's nice of you to notice. Takes a bullet he dug out, along with some of his blood, kind of pushes it towards Ugly John, because like I said, they're going super fast, so they get that right. um, like no-gravity situation. Mm -hmm. Commenting on how he hates it when the tissue has had time to heal around a bullet. So um, <laughs> Ugly John sees this blood and bullet fl flooding towards him. He says, I better call my mates. Are we in space? Wolverine tells Ugly John to cheer up. He lived another day. Cyclops is like, he's passed out, bro. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this for a second. You guys made a comment on it. Ugly John has three faces on his face. So we got some mutants that are like, they look like movie stars and they have super cool powers and they're rock stars. We got some people like, quote unquote, Ugly John, Steve here, or uh, Beak later on. We right, find out yeah. who is just miserable. And, um, oh, you know, me. just looks like a little plucked chicken man. So sometimes, or you get like a, a guy that's just a pile of goo. Right, and you can see his bones. What does that guy call yeah, him? Uh, yeah, yeah. But like there's a lot of heat. And this guy's like, of, like, hey, I used to have like a life and now I'm a pile of goo, man. Yeah, yeah. I want the cure. Yeah. Like yeah. you guys look awesome. They're like, no, mutant should want. Mutant and proud. Mutant and proud, yeah. you guys. <laughs> oh my God. Well, M Mystique, you can turn into literally anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I don't know if you should be speaking for people who can't do that. That's I, called good-looking mutie privilege. It's I like how cool. um, his eyes are yeah. situated on his face. Yeah. Like, he's got three faces, but the eyes overlap. Like sure. sometimes one yeah. eye is the left eye, and then it's the it's the right eye for the other face. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's well, just a very cool mutations kind of, are not always helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that just just sucks for yeah. you and that's it it kind of kicks off this whole thing where you have to think about well what if i was one of the mutants that right. got something that sucked sure. i wouldn't want to be that way <laughs> if i if i was a rock star mutant yeah i would want to be that way so it's kind of like an individual everyone gets something you yeah, yeah it's kind of the yeah. lottery with that so anyway that's interesting to think about though we've only been seeing the cool yeah handsome and beautiful mutants what if Something happened and it sucked. Yeah, yeah. What about that? So yeah, that's where that we get get a little bit of that. That's pretty cool. Uh, Wolverine complains they got to drag this poor jerk all the way back with them, and Cyclops reminds him that this guy was hunted almost to death. 
and human doctors wouldn't be willing to treat him. And that's when they get so we a little bit more of that. So there's just kind of this overbearing sort of feeling of, of oppression and, and all that. Um, and so they, they get a psychic text message from Professor X getting them up to speed on what's <laughs> happening at the mansion. Um, and so getting back to uh, Boulevard Trask, DDS, he takes off a helmet and it's revealed to us that he was taking part in a visual simulation, which has made him physically ill. Right. <laughs> so it it either it's he's made him physically ill because what he's seen is so violent and upsetting and disturbing. Or it's like when you're at the 3D movie and it's, oh, you can't right, yeah, handle right. it and you gotta, yeah. Yeah, but he just saw Neanderthals get yes, slaughtered he saw, yeah, or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So it could be either of those. Um, so let's see here. He barfs into his virtual reality helmet and Cassandra Nova is really laying it on thick here. Like, oh, if a fake simulation makes you puke, just imagine the sickening reality. We gotta stop this from happening. The evil mutants are gonna kick in your door and bash your daughter's brains in. Just really driving it home. Right. And we find out this guy's uncle, Bolivar Trask, the first, built the first Sentinels. And in the story, they're described as android weapon system designed to identify and terminate mutant X-gene carriers. So Nova points out Sentinels look wonderful and are design classics. So she's clearly a fan of the old school aesthetic, <laughs> but she laments that they are spectacularly ineffective against their targets and reveals that American tax dollars funded a program to build them and that this was kept from public knowledge. Ah. So a lot of politics going on here. Yeah. Okay. Very, like I said, this is so dense, but it's so good. It's just, they're just keep up. Yes. Keep up. Yeah. We see they've been on a helicopter this whole time, so they were doing their little virtual reality tour of Neanderthal's obliteration while <laughs> on a helicopter. So truly wild stuff. They gotta land pass the time somehow. Yeah, I got to pass the time. Right. So they land and get out, and Trask is like, "Dude, I'm a friggin' I'm, I'm a dentist in Albuquerque. What are we What are we doing here?" And they're walking through the jungle. Uh, Nova explains that a master mold factory unit was constructed. The AI of this factory was engineered to adapt to the environment and build wild sentinels using the technology within reach. Wow. And then everyone forgot about it. It's not a good situation, <laughs> wow. probably. Yeah. I think I would keep an eye on that if that is a thing that happened. But you know, that sounds like the government. No? The Master Mold stuff was some of the first X-Men shit that I read. Really I interesting shit. Yeah. That's so cool. I love this reveal of this yeah. giant master mold it's just out there in the incredible. fucking... incredible. Yeah, that is yeah. so wild. I Visually, mean, when the first time I read this book, I was like, oh, this is something else. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is fucking good in a way that I didn't know sequential art could be outside of like truly psychedelic shit, like independent shit. Yeah. Or like heavy metal or something. You know what I mean? Like this is... Yeah. Something else. Remind me who the colorist was. A colorist, Brian Haberlin or Haberlin. Yeah, how does he do this, like a lens flare or whatever? Photoshop. Is like, Photoshop. Oh, it's so yeah. cool though. It's yeah. just like it, it's a. It's I actually recognize the Photoshop filter. Sure, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it's used. But it's but, used yeah, it's, well. It's, it's used very well. It's used appropriately and correctly here. Yeah, yeah. I like it. it it's not like J.J. Abrams. No, it's well. No, I don't, we don't hate too hard on. on no, no. Part. Actually, I actually really do like J.J. Abrams. Sure, Star exactly. Star That's low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. But no, it is a lot of lens flare. But no, I feel like this is used appropriately. It's used for a sense of awe and scale and, and, and yeah. you know, so that's, um, yeah. It's appropriate because it's like where the sun is coming through Exactly. As well. This yeah. is just a very, it's beautiful. Even without the lens flare, it would be beautifully rendered. And so this is really some intense stuff so far. Just I haven't stopped to appreciate just how immense and, and fantastical this art is. But of course, we all know, quietly, amazing. 
Oh, yeah. True master. Trask is like, where did this happen? And she's like, fucking take a wild guess, my man. Don't make me tap the sign. <laughs> and we're introduced to this gigantic fucking master mold. So back to Professor X. He's having a meeting inside of his mind with Gene, Beast, Logan, and Scott. A little mind meeting. He's, I love the background yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's great. What is all that? Oh, it's fantastic. I could stare at that forever. It's good stuff. It's really nice. It's like schematics or... Yeah. I mean, what is it? It's just... I don't know. I just... It's like, good. That's the inside of his brain, I guess. It sets the tone. Yeah. yeah, it's like you see like math problems yeah. and DNA and graphs and all kinds of shit. All this shit is on his mind Yeah, right now. He's thinking about all this. Uh, he's like, okay, guys. New mutants are happening all the time everywhere. Things are going to be bad for them. They'll be accused of stealing human jobs, eating human food, taking human partners. They need teachers to help them out. They need us. We can take their anger and show them how to be responsible citizens. So what do you think of the new school uniforms? <laughs> it's good shit. No, Wolverine's like, yeah, it's cool to not look like a dweeb, actually. And Beast is like, yeah, why were we dressed up like superheroes in the first place? And right. Scott's like, well, to defend, he's trying to defend Xavier's justification for the goofy blue and yellow spandex, which is people might trust them more if they look like something they understood. But he's trying out some new things now. Right, so he's kind yeah. of trying to be like, well, these poor helpless humans, they're dumb. We got to help them out. I also like how, like, they're all like in that. They're sitting on the couch. Yeah. And Scott's just leaning on it. And it's yeah, like yeah. a real, like a really relaxed meeting. But like Scott and uh, Wolverine are in the jet and all this. And right. This yeah. is this is really cool stuff. It's I love super cool. That, it would know. be I so love, confusing, but I guess they're used to it. I was also going to comment on the body language. Body um, language. I love how Wolverine is sitting versus Beast, and you know Scott yeah. standing, and it's just like it's just interesting. It tells you a lot about the characters. It without does. Having to say it all does. those little word boxes. It's like if they right. were actually in the X Mansion. They were pro- this is probably be where Xavier has a couch and two chairs where yes. they'd all be just kind of yeah yeah it is no it's 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 yeah it's fantastic stuff just every little nuance of it is so that's so the character and I am such a sucker yeah for yeah. that shit I'm such a sucker when for they it. nail it yeah oh yeah it's good stuff so uh, they're trying out some new things right so Professor X wants Scott and Logan to swing by Ecuador in the X wing. To check out what's going on over there, and they end their psychic conference call, and Logan has a fantastically devilish grin happening here. <laughs> As he heckles Scott, he says, couldn't wait to get out of that bald head, could you, Slim? And Slim is this little nickname Wolverine's right, got. Right, he's always called Cyclops him Cyclops here, a lot of texture, a lot of history happening in but this bit of dialogue. I think that they, um, Stan Lee came up with the name yeah, Slim, that's and that's what, they, that's what they all call him back in the original comics. Nice. But it's so, he's using it in a situation where he fucking would. Yeah, yeah. He's needling him. He's really, he's like going after him. So when he's trying to be a jerk to Scott, he uses Slim, right? Like we get a little bit of that. Oh, but yeah, I also yeah. like, uh, he calls uh, Professor X Chuck. And I love yeah, it. I yes. love it when Wolverine calls him Chuck, but he, and he never did it in the movie. And that was just like, it's ugh. It's fantastic. It's absolutely great. Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of that as well. So Scott's like, oh, what are you insinuating? Wolverine goes, hey, call it like I see it. You've been. You've been gone for too long. Things change. You got a shoulder crown if you need it. Just really teasing him. Wow. You know, really driving it home that he's got a huge crush on his wife. And Scott's like, Gene and I are perfectly happy, Logan. Just shutting it down. Not even giving that any attention. Which, mm, are you though? <laughs> well, I take it as something, well, because we find out what goes on different sure. in the comics and all that. Because I actually did take it as something different because I do know that Scott had just come back to life after being possessed by Apocalypse. And so. Yes. <laughs> no, and they talk about yeah. that later. Yeah. They talk about this. But then, uh, well, we'll talk we'll, when we yeah, get yeah. there. We'll visit that when we get there. But I do yeah. have notes on that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Henry McCoy, otherwise known as Beast, is also trying to talk to Jean about the atmosphere between her and Scott. So similar conversations happening here. She's like, I know what you're going to say, so just don't go there. <laughs> She's psychic. 
So they turn their attention to the new immersive display technology. Be- as you know, so the dynamic between Wolverine and Scott is very like he's just going to keep yeah getting on. and so Beast is immediately very respectful and just they just change the subject. Right. They turn their attention to the new immersive display technology that allows them to look around DNA samples in real time. Suddenly, Gina's like something feels weird. I'm going to go check on Cerebra, and cut to Professor Charles Xavier still in the Cerebra machine. Looks like he's wrapping up his little session there, but before he can take off his helmet, a weird voice busts into his mind and starts wrestling with him for control. There's a struggle here where the voice is like, hey, it's me, your nemesis. I'm going to replace your mind with my mind and take over your body. And Charles is like, no. And he grabs a handgun and presses it against his own temple and says, get out of my head or I'll fire. The voice revealed to be Cassandra Nova is like, you would. And starts to fuck him up a bit. Jean runs in, rips the helmet off his head, saying she can sense his agonizing thoughts. And Charles is like, yeah, we got to warn everyone. It's in Ecuador. This is happening in Ecuador. Right. So yeah. very intense scene happening here. Yeah, I really like uh, the panel layout on this scene. I think yeah. it adds to the tension, you know, the because pacing. you have this first uh, kind of traditional panel layout. But then in this scene where there's like this inner battle and he grabs the gun. I mean, look how many panels. It doesn't there. stop. There's no yeah, floating you know, anything. Yeah. yeah, It's really cool. It's interesting um, how those, you know, those panels where it's just kind of free form and floating gives you a sense of you can meander through this at your own pace. This is very specific. It tells you this is the pace. This right. is the beat that you want to read this at. And this soda can like bursts. Yeah. And then like where it says surrender Charles is paired with the soda can being torn open. Like yeah. all that is just really artful. It's like the close up on the eye yeah. here. And it's just a very early days MTV Eon Flux shit, man. Yeah. Like it's really good. And how like you can see his hand go. It kind of goes down, across, and then across to the gun and down. Yes, there's right. a narrative there. There's yeah. an, and, and that's absolutely, you know, Professor X has got to have a break in case of glass thing, and he's absolutely committed to doing this if it means saving it's a the really world. badass moment. It so is. You yeah. don't see Professor X be like that much of yes. a badass all the time. I will so. do this. Yeah. I will do it. I am prepared to do this. So after that very intense thing, now we're back in Ecuador. We see some soldiers standing around, and Trask is like, this whole trip sucks. We went on an eight-hour helicopter ride. You showed me a bunch of gross shit. I'm in the jungle, <laughs> which sucks a lot, and I hate this, actually. Uh, just a quick aside, I googled how long helicopters can stay in the air, and some results said two hours, some said five hours, so we will just assume this is either an advanced technology helicopter, which is totally plausible in this or universe, they or they stopped to refuel or something. While they were in the virtual reality. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I'm prepared or to accept either. Maybe he's just like over exaggerating. Like he maybe he like, exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, he he just seemed kind of like a whiner. <laughs> seems like kind of a whiner. We see some blood splatters similar to what Trask saw in his virtual reality bloodbath tour. Some blood spurts make the shape of an X. Yeah. We get some zoom here, just like in his vision of the past. And Nova's like, check it out. It's the Wild Sentinels. They're awesome. And these soldiers have all been brutally butchered by something off panel. Nova reveals she's been marching the dead corpses of these soldiers around with her telekinetic abilities. Oh, so they, were they, were... Only, they were already dead. So don't even worry about it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was going to say, like, who were these soldiers? Yeah, they're, I don't even worry about it. I understand that, but yeah. Yeah, she's like, check out these androids. Say something to them. And he just starts frantically yelling stuff like, no, stop, please don't hurt me. And we see these little cobbled together little robots. And they they announce that they're going to stop attacking because they've identified their target as a member of the Trask family. And yeah. that DNA should be preserved. Preserve Trask DNA. That's exactly Preserve what they say. Preserve Trask DNA. Yeah, that's I like it. That. The little robots are unique. They're made of pieces of old Sentinels, but they're kind of all just in a random assortment yeah, of pieces. Yeah, I like yeah. these. Yeah. This is really interesting. Really like, super interesting. Like, almost like a... 
like a B, not like a BB-8. What was the other one that they introduced? Uh, the little the, cobbled together guy. Yeah, yeah. The, just kind of like the those, one in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, those weird little droids. I don't know. It just kind well, of reminded me of something like that. It's something unique and something. Oh, this came first, also. So. Yeah. It's something different. It's something. It's like finally, it's just a breath of fresh air. Like, wouldn't it be cool if? Yeah. And it is. Well, and yeah. Uh, Sentinel uh, started making themselves. Yeah. What well, yeah. would it look like? Yeah. And would it really look cool. like? normal evolution right would there be different shit happening all yeah, the time yeah, yeah. yes there would, would what's the most little efficient creatures. little yeah. animals what is an efficient way for this one to be what well how do they work in tandem with this other shaped robot and so it's just a, such a these dudes really brought so much just fresh fucking air to these stories and it's just really fucking weird and cool and interesting and scary and what if robots were in charge of making themselves yeah. what would that look like anyway very cool. Some are small, some are large. They've adapted and changed to be more efficient in various ways. They look like animals and bugs as opposed to just like humanoid 70s dudes, right. 60s dudes. I like this uh, one with the, the long... Little snake tail guy. And then, but it's like, you know, it's on wheels Little and wheels, yeah. yeah. That's super cool. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't notice that guy. So these new Sentinel things are voice activated. They respond to this guy's voice. Uh, Cassandra Nova's trying to convince Donald Trask. I think I might have referred to him as Bolivar Trask before, but it's no, no, Donald No, you mentioned Trask. that Bolivar Trask was his uncle. Right. So this is Donald Trask. If I did mess up earlier, sorry, I'm correcting it now. This is this. <laughs> his guy's name is Donald Trask. His uncle is Bolivar Trask. So whatever. It's a lot. Just give me some slack. Yeah, cut, yeah. cut me some slack. Nova's trying to convince Donald Trask, the dentist, to use this little army here to wipe out all the mutants. She says, forget your dental practice, Mr. Trask, your future... Lies in genocide. As they approach this, like, giant... What an interesting line. That's crazy. So this person's horrible, right? Oh, yeah. Um, That's how that issue ends. It's always weird to introduce a new villain, you know? And so... This one is wildly successful so far. And it's only been one issue. Exactly. That's how you do it. You know, it's just like... A lot of times when people introduce new villains, I'm just like... Okay, we got to go through the motions on this, yeah. But this one, and she wasn't in that many panels. intriguing, yeah. Uh, She was was just like, you know, the beginning, the end, and a little bit with Professor Xavier. You're like, whoa, who is this? True story building, yeah, absolutely. They're taking their time, they're pacing it out. Uh, So anyone want to talk about this cover? I saw, I was going to say, I saw this cover everywhere mm-hmm. when it came out. Oh, this yeah. cover was everywhere. in a good way. And it was like, I mean, it was in Wizard. I mean, it was just... Uh, it was like, yeah, you're the, right, it was when everywhere. these character designs came out, it was a big deal. Yes, yeah. Yeah. classic now, but at the time, yeah, revolutionary, so... I also like the way that Frank Quickly draws Wolverine's hair in this picture, because oh, it's yeah. like... yeah. I don't know, during like the 90s and the 80s and 90s, like Wolverine's hair, I was just like, Wolverine is not going to take his time to style his hair like right. that. Yeah. And nobody's hair lays like that. This could be a but, person's hair. But this looks... But it has familiar themes that exactly. we recognize. It, it yes. looks... He took that weird fucking yeah. thing and made it real. <laughs> yeah. This could be like a guy runs his hand through his hair and it just happens to do that. Right, oh. right. But it looks like something familiar, a motif that we are familiar with. I mean... <laughs> I'm not going to get to it. <laughs> no, this is a gorgeous cover, and we yeah. love we love it. Yeah. So next issue, our dentist friend, Donald Trast, is contemplating what he's just been told, saying, when I got out of bed this morning, I didn't expect to murder 15 million people. And Cassandra Nova says, they're not people, they're dirty, stinking mutants. So that's where this one's at. Yeah. I think 
it's interesting how each issue has like this one page where it's just yes. like bringing you into the story without saying a lot and then cut to something else. Yes. They yes. do it again. A little cold um, open there. Really cool. Yeah, cold Very open. Very effective. I like that a lot. It's it like a sense really, of scale. It hooks you in and it's like, yeah. but it also throws you off to, like you said, keep up. Love it. Keep you, you on you your toes. Keep up. Keep up. That's yeah. it. I love that attitude. So uh, next page here. Let's talk about the layout. Let's talk about the layout of this. Oh yeah, it's like I like the way you know, like you said earlier, like yeah. the uh, Sentinels are jetting out of the Master Mall yeah. as the jet is flying in. Yeah. But I like the center band, the title band. It yeah. shows you the characters and very the, music video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say the first uh, on the first set it looked like a music video. I thought too. Yeah. Um, but it's a double splash. But it's three panels in a double splash, which is pretty cool. I don't know if I've yeah. seen something like that before. I dig it. I dig it. So yeah, the uh, X-Jet or X-Wing or whatever is flying towards the Master Mold. Sentinels are firing up out of it to come after them. So uh, so Ugly John is still here, and he's like, WTF, mate. And uh, <laughs> I love the way Wolverine looks here. I can't talk about that enough. I love his character design. Oh, yeah. He's so great. Oh, my God. They're all great. I mean, it all looks good. All, obviously, I'm, I'm in love with all the character designs, but... Some about that that I'm this just line like, is you got it, too. you got it, you got Wolverine, yeah, yeah. quietly got him, and so yeah, so um, the Sentinels are going after their jet, and Wolverine ponders how much it might cost, and Scott's like, relax, I've been in more jet crashes than any other mutant insurance going to take care of it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, oh, I like this line where he says, "Go back to sleep, ugly John. We like you better like that." Oh, <laughs> rude. Wolverine is such a jerk to this rude. guy. <laughs> He's he's being friendly in his own way. Yeah, it's, by uh, being a jerk to him. <laughs> yes, he's that's his the way he builds camaraderie is by ribbing you. Because let's be honest, if Wolverine didn't like you, he would just chop you in half. <laughs> yeah, they they crash land um onto a cliff in front of the master mold, and Wolverine mentions he admires Scott's icy calm lunacy under pressure. I love that too. I love the yeah. way they portray him as he's like clearly crashing this aircraft. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just like totally in control or he doesn't seem this he's I, unflappable. Yeah. I appreciate Scott here because so often we're subjected to just an unbearable moron who is just we don't like anything about him and i don't think i want a main character like that yeah so let's not write him like that and morrison doesn't so yeah. thanks <laughs> well i like um after he's, he says he likes your his uh calm lunacy and yeah. his response is call me cyclops during mission wolverine it keeps things straight it's right. just like that's fucking. That is his icy cold lunacy yeah. right there. Yes, he's crashing. Right there. A, he's crashing a plane and says, "Use our code names, man." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that nicknames. could be. That could be annoying if it was. It's just there's such a thin line that oh, he yeah. walks where it's like it could. It could be like, all right, Boy Scout, but it's like for a reason here. He's like, actually, this is. It's important to do this because yeah. of this, that, and the other reasons. Well, so, and it's kind of cool too. It's it's yeah. not like I don't know. To me, it is. I don't know. Like it's not your normal like whiny Scott. It's yeah, like, yeah. He's got a little bit more confidence. He's a little bit more of a badass, and he's focused. Yeah, he's not thrown off by Wolverine's whatever bullshit. Because someone has confidence. to do it. Yeah. I'm sure he would fucking love to fuck off yeah. and just do whatever. But he can't do it because if he doesn't fucking do this, no one else is going to do it, and everything falls apart. Yeah. So it's kind of this like, yeah, he it could be considered in any other book it would be like, all right, annoying, meh, meh, meh. Thanks, dad. But it's like here it's like he's got a point actually. Maybe we should do what he says. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's we get some of that, which is like, finally, fuck. Oh my god. Someone who knows what to do with Scott Summers and doesn't just be like, 
he's just a whiny baby actually i don't care about him let's make him look like a doofus it's like (laughs) this is one of your main characters why don't you make an effort right anyway so uh, after some additional dry banter scott's like hey let's explode this jet so that the sentinels can use (laughs) you know they they, we don't want them using the parts to make more sentinels yeah logic smart pure logic you know uh, under pressure right so he and Wolverine authorize the auto-destruct sequence. This is a cool panel where he hits the eject button. I buttons. was just going to say, yes. With I the lighting that. there of that, that looks like so nice. an anime or a music video. Again, this is very like, this could be an anime. It's gorgeous, and it looks amazing, and it's so dynamic. Um, here we Them both having to use their voice key for the auto-destruct kind of reminds me of when Captain Kirk, Scotty, and McCoy blew up the Enterprise in oh, okay. Star Trek Three. Yes. Or turn your key, sir, right? Yes. Turn your key, sir. Yes. Turn your key, sir. So they, they emergency eject out of there. Wolverine punches a sentinel robot monster in midair. Yeah. <laughs> the jet explodes it. just as some little sentinel bugs are crawling all over it. Very action-packed, just so yeah. dynamic, moving. Everything's moving. Our heroes parachute out of there. Scott's trying to think about how they're going to get Ugly John out of there. That's his mission. Laser focus. Wolverine drags a part of one of the new sentinel bug things up out of the water and says... You know, he asks him if he's if Scott's ever seen Sentinels look like this. That's a great panel, man. Yeah, I, I love it. Love that yeah, they're, this is what they do together. They're on a mission together. This is what they're doing. So right. love it, loving it. And that is a great panel. These character designs are great. Wolverine looks great. He's got the fucking dog tags, man. Yeah, it's good shit. So some weird Sentinel guys come up and start shooting at Ugly John. Wolverine saves him just in time by copping the bullets in his back. Wolverine asks Ugly John if he has any mutant abilities that can help them out. But no, he's just got three faces. That's it. So like we were talking about earlier, (laughs) not always great to be a mutant. Sometimes it sucks. Yeah. And I just love the movement, you know, as he like jumps on this guy to take the bullets. That's like, I mean, obviously he's going to do that. Right on his back. Yeah. um, It's just depicted really dynamically. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Scott tells Logan, get out of here. He can handle this. And he shoots a big red laser beam with the Sentinels, but it makes a big explosion. Sends Cyclops flying and shatters his ruby quartz visor. That panel of that visor shattering. Oh, it's so good. Amazing. I don't think I've ever seen his visor shatter like that before. Has that ever happened? I I guess not. I don't know. I've seen him like lose it. or. I feel like wouldn't that happen quite a bit because that's one of the most interesting things that can happen to him. Yeah. (laughs) So wouldn't they be doing that quite a bit? Well, it's like you said, I've seen him lose it. I've seen him crushed in his hand it seems like a trope i've seen yeah. before but i, think I don't more know. the glasses yeah like yeah the that's the visor I mean the, is usually right. durable yeah right well we're gonna come back to that aren't we hmm. well so wolverine busts out the claws and gets to work right slicing and dicing these weird sentinel monster robots it's not going well things are not looking great one of the sentinels looks like it's full of chains yeah. and approaches logan as he's falling to the All ground these, like, hooks are going down that's the sentinel like... designs look super cool it's the hellraiser it's a very <laughs> oh yeah it is the hellraiser it's sentinel. a very intimidating building a lot of tension yeah i like how like speaking of they're just made of whatever parts like yeah. some of them have guns yeah there's guns in there some of them have chains oh, yeah. and hooks and yeah. bug legs pretty neat so it's super good meanwhile back at the xavier institute (laughs) beast is drafting a letter to someone named trish and uh this is also not going well so we see he's still trying to hang on to some semblance of his life before he became a big furry blue cat monster um and he notices something on his computer screen and he gets up and he leaves 
It's Trish Tilby. Yes. His uh, yeah. girlfriend at the time. We'll get, oh, we'll okay. get into that later. Thank you, Aubrey. Um, on the next page, we see Professor X lying in bed. Jean Grey is here taking care of him using her telekinetic abilities to wring out a wet tile and fly it across the room towards them. That is beautifully really good. Oh, it's so good. Like, God. Very casual. I, I don't think that, like, you don't <laughs> think that a, a rag being telekinetically wrung out yeah. and brought over would be so beautiful very, and so cool looking. Yes, very <laughs> delicately done and very wonderfully rendered here and it's just subtle. it's happening while the dialogue is happening it's not hold on charles let me telekinetically move this towel over here across the room to us it's just happening in the background it's just eye candy in the back it's just yeah. what is happening while this they're having a conversation love it charles is like i'm fine gina's like sounds made up gene mentions she didn't know he carried a gun uh. charles tells her that he would never use it on another living creature ever explaining that his brain is a lethal weapon and if an enemy were to hijack it, he's got to be prepared to shoot himself, to kill himself, to prevent that from happening. So pretty grim stuff here. Yeah. Chekhov's gun over here. That's like, of course, Grant Morrison would think of, of something course. Like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, If they... I were Professor X and my mind were able to obliterate all of reality in an instant, maybe I should have a plan. Yeah. Like a... But the plan is a gun but it, to it's, shoot it's those kind of details. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's those kind of details that they think about that... I don't know, makes their books so different. Yes. Different. I don't know. I love that. It's wonder- a gritty kind of like, oh shit, this is real. It's real, yeah. I wonder if the bullet is like a hollow point bullet because that way it would... It, it would explode. Yeah, and, and what he's trying to do is destroy his brain so yeah. somebody can't yeah. right. That's use it. it. That's it. That's it. So yeah, really grim and really gritty and really real and really like... Hey, I thought about this. That would have to. You would have to. I know yeah. that you haven't thought about this, but I did think about it, and this is messed up, you guys. And we're like, it is messed up. Thank you, Grant Morrison. <laughs> and uh, so let's see here. Professor X tries to get up and is like, "I gotta get back to Cerebra. Fetch my chair." And Jean's not having it, quite frankly, and saying that that tone of voice might work with Scott, but not <laughs> with her. <laughs> okay. Hank McCoy comes in and announces he's lost radio contact with Scott and Logan. The X Wing is off radar. Probably destroying the Death Star or something, and so Professor X is like, "Henry, my chair," because presumably Beast is more susceptible to that tone of voice than Genius. Right. <laughs> uh, back to Nova and Trask. Trask is asking her if what he's done is evil or not. Her response is to ask him whether the doctors who wiped out the smallpox were evil. That is a false equivalency. Wow. So go fuck yeah. yourself. Uh, she tells him that when people hear about why he launched four supersonic death machines into the most densely populated mutant area on Earth, they'll say he was evil in a good way, quote unquote. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I thought it was interesting because it, it is in quotations. By God, he was evil. Yes, but evil in a good way. And I actually looked that up. I was like, is that a quote to something? Is she quoting something? But I couldn't find any reference. To no, that. she's just that's just, she's just saying yeah. that's what they'll say. Yeah. Evil yeah. in a good way. Even in a good way, right? He replies that people can commit any atrocity given the right excuse. Hmm. And Cassandra compares the mutants to germs and vermin. Hmm. Where have we heard all this before, right? Yeah. He asks if there will be time for them to feel pain and asks whether their deaths will be humane, quote unquote, commenting that the situation doesn't seem real. Cassandra reveals that she can read his mind and that she knows about how he dreams that he keeps mutants as slaves in his basement. Gross. Okay. This next part might be difficult to describe. Quietly's illustrations are so incredible and amazing. Uh, (laughs) Cassandra is moving her hand through Trask, like in his chest and in his face, but her fingers come up and out of his eyes, nose, ears, and mouth. There's no blood or anything. It's like she's 
wiggling her hand up through a rubber mask. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, so he's like a big rubber mask suit and of a man. she just pushes her hand She's through She's just him. kind of running her hand through like a big rubber suit of a dude. And so it's, how do you draw that? Yeah. Well, quietly like that. drew that. <laughs> yeah. It's and it's really messed up, inc- too. But I it's mean, so uh, well done. Yeah. Like, it's messed up, but it's also so well done that I just don't have room for anything else except to be impressed yeah. by this. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's really fucked up and disturbing, of course, and uh, very just some psychedelic shit happening. It's, it's almost like his face is clay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. She says, I don't hate you, Donald Trask third. Does the gourmet hate the steak? <laughs> but it's taken me 10 hours to read and copy the three billion base letters in your DNA sequence. This was all just... Yeah. She's distracting this person. So yeah. he he has he's the key to control this master yeah. mold. Now she has it. She key. doesn't need to convince this yeah. person anymore. She was delaying the inevitable. <clears throat> she was keeping him talking and entertained. The virtual reality. The virtual reality the tour. The hel- ride, all of all that, that stuff, yeah. Nonsense. We're dealing with an enemy that is so powerful that now it's intimidating. This yeah. is a horse of a different color here. So that's why she's doing all this. She's keeping him occupied for as long as it took for her to sequence the DNA. She's done with him now. So this big, scary spider robot sentinel comes in with a big, tall, spidery robot legs and a mass of all the different chains and Look cables and hooks I and mean, shit hanging down. How does Frank Quitely draw that? I Very mean, intimidating design here. And I don't know, yeah. again, like they've talked about how they really discuss, the two of them, uh, Quitely and Morrison, discuss at length what they're going to do, whereas Morrison with some other artists, maybe not so much. But right. I wonder how much of this is, you know. Sure. So them collaborating and just, it's just intensely cool. And uh, yeah. Very intimidating. The big spider chains robot says he's going to trap up the mutants he found, but Cassandra's like, nah, hang on a second. And the Sentinel identifies her voice as Trask's voice and says, right on, going to preserve your Trask DNA. So her plan has worked out. Great. Cassandra does a bit of villain exposition here, but it's not clumsy or awkward in the way that some of it can be. It feels very much part of the story, in my opinion, still. I don't know how you guys feel about that. No, no, yeah. I thought they oh, yeah, did no, a good job with Everything it. flows pretty well on this. Yeah, so even this, even when the villain's giving exposition, you're still like, I'm here for it. Every goddamn day of the week, I'm here for it. It's fine. It's fine. She says that the original Sentinels were restricted by their size and shape, but these wild Sentinels can adapt and assume any form they need to destroy mutants. Mutants like you, she says. And oh no, we see Ugly John here. He's all chained oh, up no. in the secret lair. Ugly John begs her not to hurt him. She zaps him. With the structure he's chained to, and it looks like a bunch of hollowed out sentinel heads, and they form kind of a circle, so she's got these guys all chained up, one on each hollowed out sentinel face, and the energy blasts come up from inside the hollow sentinel face. I cannot explain to you why that's so scary. From behind, you don't see it. And weird, and it's just so... Again, just a lot of intimidation happening here, just very... It disturbs you in a part of yourself you didn't even know was there. Well, and it's almost like um, the Quintessons or whatever. Uh-huh. Like it, it yeah. turns. So she's got Ugly John there. She burns him and then it turns Wolverine towards But it's towards faceless. Her. So it's a group of yeah. faces murdering this guy that's got a bunch of faces. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're right. So I didn't that's even think about that. Interesting. In she yeah. she calls it Sentinel Manowar. Yes. And that made me think of that's the what, uh, yeah. Manowar, the jellyfish thing. Right. Yeah. With yeah. all the tentacles hanging below yes, it. Yes, Absolutely. So a lot of interesting stuff happening here. So she's just like, next, and it rotates around. We see Wolverine here, and he wakes up and immediately launches himself at Cassandra. She's in the middle of giving the command for the machine to zap him. She doesn't even finish the sentence. He just fucking busts out of the restraints, launches at her, slices her fucking throat with his claws so she cannot give voice commands. There you go. He just gets it done. That's awesome. That is so great. I love how before he does that, he goes, bacon? 
Yeah. Because she just yeah. fried Again. Ugly John or whatever. Yeah. But like he smells it and he goes, bacon? And then he just launches at her. So cool. Just on instinct, right? Yeah. Which is amazing. He holds his closed fist up to the side of her head and mentions that his claws deploy out of his knuckles at the speed of 130 miles per hour. Apparently that's something that Dr. Hank McCoy must have measured at some point back at the right, X-Mansion yeah. laboratory or whatever. Yeah. The, another would. another thing that Grant Morrison's like, I'm going to put this I'm going to put this in, in here. There. No yeah. one's ever talked about this, and I'm gonna, I don't think anyone's talked about it. But I he's mean. sitting around like, I wonder how fast they go. Yeah. You <laughs> know? I mean, it, it's a, yeah. It's a, psh, you know. It's a Sherman link that came out like super fast. So, you know, somebody would yeah. measure that. Yeah. Snicked. We see the snicked a lot. <laughs> there you go. I like how when Wolverine is holding his hand at Cassandra's head and the claws are starting to come out a little bit, I like the position of them between the knuckles. Yeah. Kind of like the way they did in the movies more than kind of out of the back of the hand because it makes I agree. more, oh, yeah. it makes yeah. more sense. sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree completely. So poor ugly John Hare is absolutely fried. He's been severely injured, is in the process of dying a very painful and horrible death. So Wolverine yells at Cyclops and says, hey, this kid is dying in agony over here so he does feel for the guy so all the ribbing he was doing earlier it's just his way you know right, he really does care yeah. he at the end of the day he fucking cares and scott walks up and addresses him as john but then corrects himself by reverting to his actual name which is steve <laughs> and says yeah so i'm sorry this reminded this just made me laugh because my name's john and my brother's, and brother's name, name is steve, steve. and <laughs> my and my parents always would get us confused and they would go right steve i mean john right i mean yeah and like, so that kind of reminds here me here it's that more right because ugly john <laughs> yeah. is a bit he's this this person's yeah. about to die he yeah. wants to call him by his actual name so he says i'm so sorry i know there's something more than just this world take a deep breath don't be scared just look into my eyes he gives this person the best last moment he knows how in this horrible situation he's right, never going to see yeah. home again he's never going to see his friends or family he says my mates call me john my ugly john he's never going to see any of that again and he wanted to save him so much throughout the whole mission his he never took his focus off he's like look we got to get this guy out of here we got to protect yeah, him yeah. we got to bring him back and he's like what can i do in these last moments take a deep breath don't be scared it's a very human moment or mutant moment right yeah so a lot of compassion happening here where you know they aren't shown a lot of outside compassion so he's like i gotta make this person's last moments something that's not completely terrible by showing compassion so that really got to me yeah yeah i know there's something more than just this world and it's not denominational may the lord love you and keep you no it's like you know what this isn't it i you know it's gonna be okay don't be scared and I just really, that got me the first time I read it. I was very moved by that. I thought that was, you know. Yeah. Scott's more than just a Boy Scout rules follower. Yeah. He will kill you if you need a mercy killing. Another, another like, pretty dark thing that yeah. is just, like, you wouldn't really think about. Yeah. In exactly. These, these kinds of stories. Yeah. The next panel, just Wolverine looking away from a very intense flash of red light. And we know that Ugly John has been put out of his misery there. And it's revealed that Scott apparently has these ruby quartz contacts, which he wears to prevent his laser beams from going all over the place in the event that his visor wow. is removed or damaged. So here we see he's removed them in order to perform this mercy killing. And he proceeds to threaten Cassandra by saying he knows where she is. He'll kill her with the optic blast if she keeps fucking shit up. What do we think about ruby quartz contacts, boys? That's cool. Another, another yeah. just like... That's a slam dunk idea right there. Of course he's got those, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've all... Whether we just, they're synthetic 
we just you know, to- Hank we just McCoy ta- whipped him up in the lab, whatever. We yeah. just talked about how how many times his visor gets crushed or broken mm-hmm. or whatever, it falls off his face. That's why I was it's like, uh-huh. like it's, it's like an, it's like a Cyclops trope. Yeah, there it is. So and so eventually, you would go, "Oh, I should probably get some contacts in case this happens." <laughs> yeah, Morrison was like, "Well, you know what? He fucking wouldn't let that happen over yeah. and over, would he? He would have Hank whip up some eventually. shit in the yeah. lab." Yeah, <laughs> so. Wolverine's having none of it. He's like, it's too late. Everything's already fucked. Why is she smiling? What did she do that she thinks is so funny? Where did she send those big ass sentinels to from earlier? And uh, we cut to Genosha. This is a truly terrible scene. Some intensely awful shit happening here. And it is handled with the gravity that something like this should be handled with. Before we get into that, let me just quickly talk about Genosha itself. Genosha, also known as the Republic of Genosha, is a small crescent-shaped fictional island located to the northeast of Madagascar. Uh, Genosha first appeared in the Uncanny X-Men number 235, October of 1988, created by Chris Claremont and Rick Leonardi. Um, uh, So the fictional Genosha was built up to the enslavement of its mutant population. I feel like this is important. Uh, Mutants were slaves there until X-Men were kidnapped, some of the X-Men were kind of, some other X-Men went to rescue them. They toppled the government there. Magneto was like, this is fucked up. Y'all need to just give me this whole place as a refuge for mutants only and leave us the fuck alone. The UN was like, yeah, sure, it sounds good. We'll do that. And uh, Magneto took over Genosha as the president there and eventually quelled all the human uprisings until it was just mutants living there. Eventually, Magneto was like, yeah, just kidding. I'm going to take this shit global. He tried to expand the thing outward, but X-Men stopped him and injured him severely in the process. Mm. So when we see Magneto here, that's where he's at. The uh, story where they toppled the... Genosian government was uh, Extinction Agenda. Extinction Agenda. Oh, yeah. I love that one. So um, that's that's where he's at here on the island. Um, so getting back to our story here, Emma is addressing her class on Genosha. And from the context, contact, uh, from the context, we gather that this is a class for mutants with psychic abilities. Uh, it's kind of a movie day, right? She's like, uh, you know, instead of our usual... Uh, you know, bullshit. We're gonna hack into some celebrities' minds, which is more than a bit wrong. But it's Emma, so we're meant to take this That's as her awesome. being cheeky. I think she's yeah. being cheeky. They're not gonna do that. Oh, um, so I like one of her students is wearing a dupe T-shirt. Oh yeah, dupe. Uh, yep, There's yeah, dupe on there. from ecstatic. There's dupe. I love me some dupe. This is one of two. Thank you for pointing out. This is one of two dupe Easter eggs. Oh. I will if if you don't catch it, I'll point out the second one. You probably already know. I didn't even see. The I didn't see this one. Yeah. I was just about to. You. you took the words out of my mouth. Perfect. Oh, okay. no, I'm glad you. I'm, no, I'm glad you did. Um. So, Negasonic teenage warhead pipes up and says, "Miss Frost, you think everything's just a joke." So again, she's being cheeky. You think everything's just a joke, but I had the same nightmare fifty times last night, and I'm having it again right now. Everybody's going to die. And when it cuts to when we see that, there's she's the nobody only, else there. She's the only psychic who saw this shit coming. Right. Yeah. yeah. That so. really, like, tripped me out. Yeah, was that like, was very... It's chilling. It is chilling. Yeah. It's meant to be. And that's they really get it across. Uh, suddenly, that classroom is nothing but fire and debris. As we see the same students' limbs and hats and eyeglasses yeah. flying around in a big yeah. explosion. We see Magneto get absolutely obliterated. Mutants are running in the street, trying to escape. They can't. There's all this horrific destruction, lasers and everything. The shot pulls back to reveal two enormous sentinels. They're both almost as big as the city itself, and we see just devastation on a gut-wrenching scale. And the uh, we talked about this with Lawrence Campbell uh, on the Hell on Earth stuff, but when yeah. you pull back on these disaster yeah. panels yes. and you see, you know, you would think that you would see like a giant double page splash of these two sentinels but no you they're they're in the distance and you barely get a glimpse of what they look like but they look 
horrific. That's what it would look like if you're on a helicopter yes. yeah. circling yeah. this island. And it just makes it so Awful. much more real well, it makes and the you gravity feel of it. Yeah. The gravity of it, yeah. It's like you're helpless. This is just happening. And it's you can't do anything about it. And and it's it makes you feel like they're watching it. They're watching Professor X watch it. Yeah. You know, he's watching it through Professor X is watching through Cerebra as this happens, and Gina Beast are looking on just helplessly and Professor X is crying. He says, No one saw it coming. They were drinking tea, making love. You know, they were just doing whatever and it's it's really horrible. Yeah. Uh there's some text in the corner here that says extermination event underway. Target Genosha. Population sixteen million five hundred twenty one thousand sixty three and falling. The number gets lower and lower, 11 right. million, 8 million, 800,700. And that's where the issue ends, this just horrible genocide wow. of the Gosh. mutant population. Just ex- extraordinarily fucked up. And it's it's meant to be fucked up. This is this is what genocide is. It's, it's fucking terrible on every yeah. level. And so this the conversation we have earlier, I mean, obviously it's terrible. Like... I, me saying genocide is terrible is not anything, but yeah. <laughs> I feel in the context of the story, obviously that's what we have to, because there's a guy like, is it really that bad? I guess not. I mean, if you tell me it's not bad, I will feel better about it. Really? Yeah. You just want someone to make you feel better about the fact that you're about to do a genocide? Cassandra Nova is on a scale that we have not seen. Yeah. Yeah. And that is really driven home by this. Morrison really humanizes this population well, of individuals. Well, also, it's just like um, when they introduced Cassandra Nova in the first issue, it's like they say they use her sparingly. And you kind of get, you're like, okay, I'm intrigued. Who is this person? And they found this Sentinel. And then when it launches the attack, and you're like, oh, oh no. fuck, did you just murder 16 million people? Yeah. Holy shit. And then with uh, Xavier uh, talking about... Uh, you know, each light going out and, you know, because yeah. with Cerebro, it's not that he's just seeing it. He's experiencing, feeling and connected to yeah. those people. And so he's experiencing those 16 million deaths yeah. in his head, you know, and it's just they're drinking tea. They're just fuck. It's a, wonder, it's a wonder he didn't pass out. I mean, he, he did pass out, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Well, and these yeah. are students. These are children. Oh, yeah. That, right. that the rest of the world has rejected. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so here we open up. Uh, Issue 116 opens up, and it's it's fucking well, grim. Well, we got to talk about this this Emma Frost cover, man. Let's talk about this cover. This was another cover that was just, like, everywhere. It was I mean, everywhere. Everybody was talking about this costume. Everybody was talking about this run. I, think I mean, saw it on so many t-shirts. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think you, it, was it on t-shirts? I believe so. Oh. It just added to the whole momentum of the thing, because, like... If there's style and there's no substance, then it's easy to shit on it. Agreed. But then when people Agreed. pick, you know, this was like the the bait, you know, to yep. get guys to pick it up. And oh, then yeah. you read it and you go, oh, this is some fucking really good shit. You when know the, I mean? I've said it before yeah. and I'll say it, when the internal art is just as fucking amazing as yeah. the cover, you got me. Uh, so yeah, this issue opens up. It's fucking grim. There's skeletons everywhere, and not the fun kind, not skeletons, but actual people yeah. turned into bones. The skeleton of a child clutching the skeleton of a parent, that type of shit. There's uh, even oh a skeleton God. of a bird down here. Yeah. Is, um, is this like a Hamlet type of uh, homage? Perhaps. Or yeah. um, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that every time someone holds a skull, it's a Hamlet homage. Right, it very right. well could be. But he's cracking wise, and it's that kind of black humor that you see people use to cope in situations that yeah. are so intense that you can't cope unless you try and right. make some sort of... It, it's not being insensitive. It's just your yes. brain can't handle, can't handle all this, and so you need yeah. 
something so you don't crack. And that is, if you're in a situation like that, that's the way that you're coping with that trauma. And I can't judge you for that. I've never been in the middle of a genocidal, you know, landscape. So, um, and I hope you never, I also hope that, um, (laughs) Jean Gray is talking to professor X with telepathy. She tells him that radiation levels are off the charts. Uh, the vitrified spires, here are what's left of Magneto's palace, and to vitrify something means to convert something into glass or a glass-like substance, typically oh, by exposure wow. to heat. So, a lot of lasers happening. Beast is over here doing some gallows humor. It's the only thing keeping him sane amongst the devastation he's witnessed. There are some regular humans here digging in the rubble looking for survivors, but they are hassling Hank and Jean. Right. It, so, even in the middle of trying to find survivors or digging out corpses of a population of individuals, they're still like, fuck you, though. Mm. Which I found just incredible that Morrison would include that. Suddenly, Jean senses something underneath the rubble, someone who may still be alive. She starts moving away a bunch of rubble with her telekinesis, and the great visual effects here, again, with Jean's powers, just perfect. The little purple tints to show that, yeah, they used it earlier, too. It's It's really really good. And it really, you can tell what's happening. So Jean and Beast lift away a bunch of the rubble to reveal that Emma has survived and she's all shiny. Uh, I really like the diamond effect here. Nice and simple. Yes. I like it. I don't like it when it's all jewels encrusted. I, I don't like the way they've done it in the movies when they no. make her look like faceted diamonds too, and all that. I don't because, like yeah. the facets. Yeah, I don't either. Because it's supposed to She doesn't to be, look like that. Yeah, no, her skin is diamond. It's not cut like a diamond. No, she doesn't yeah. have facets. Yeah. So why would she have that all of a sudden? She's not the thing. It's because that's not what a diamond looks like normally. No, (laughs) no, exactly. So, you know, she's not the she's not the the thing from the Fantastic Four. She's not a rock man, right? No. She's just uh, the diamond effect here is perfect. I really like it. And so they're still, but they're still experimenting and finding their stride on it for a while. Yeah, there there are times where it's almost like she's got. Egg, like it's covering her face sure. as opposed to yeah. turning into right. It. But I think here it's good, and in other places I've liked it. So it's this is the type of deal that I personally yeah. went into. I just had to add that little. Morrison originally wanted to use Colossus instead of Emma, but Colossus had just died in the comics, and they were like, "No, you can't use Colossus." Yeah. And so they're like, "Well, um, I'll use Emma and give her the diamond skin, so she'll have yeah. that test strength." Part that I'm <laughs> Fuck you, for. secondary mutation. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Fight me. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Good stuff. Um, really but cool. I, I do like this line where she's like, get her to a hospital. And they're like, the kid's dead. And she goes, then bring her back to life, you imbecile. Yes. That's a great absolutely. Line. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the diamond effect, not something we've seen before. Uh, we'll talk about it later. So no one knows what's going on right now with that. So yeah, like John just said, Emma holding Negasonic Teenage Warhead in her arms. Human workers take NTW from Emma, commenting that Emma's skin is all shiny. And oh, she's a robot. She might be a sentinel. Very dumb, rude people. Oh, right. So yeah, Emma's like, get her to a hospital. The guys are like, yeah, she's dead though. Well, bring her back to life, you imbecile. She's she's going through some trauma, right? right. Uh, so you know that child yeah. has been dead for hours, and Emma's in shock as what she's happens. She's been under yeah. there with her. Yes, yeah. so horrifying. So no one's really treating this situation with the kind of reverence it deserves, except Emma. Yeah, Emma's like, save my student, help her. Jean goes over to Emma, asks what happened to her skin. Emma says she's got no idea. She looks up and asks Jean just what happened in general here. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, back at the X-Mansion, Xavier is watching the news on all these different TVs. He's listening to all the news as people describe the horrific event that just happened in Genosha. More of half the world's mutant population was wiped out. Magneto is dead. Shit's all fucked up. Wow. Yeah. That is a lot to a lot. process in one yeah. page. And 
this top panel of him with his hands up to his face, like look at that expression. Yeah, Whomst quietly amongst really us. brings it uh, brings the emotion across. Like yeah. when you're just like not even like sad, or but you're just like you just can't believe it. You just can't believe what is happening. I mean, it can't really function on any level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Scott and Logan enter and get us up to speed on what's happening. Hank has put Cassandra in some kind of gravity trap that he originally built for the Juggernaut. Hopefully that holds. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, Wolverine. I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's the Juggernaut, bitch. Yeah, Charles, I beat the shit out of you. I feel like no one should ever be allowed to say that ever again, but that's just me. Wolverine is like, yeah, you need to like get down there because we don't know what's happening anymore. Uh, so they head on over there and Professor X is all, Wolverine, why did you sever the vocal cords of this person? And he's like, yeah, Chuck, she's voice activating the murder robots. He explains that Cassandra has healing gifts. Right. They don't have much time before she'll be healed up and can talk again. So Xavier's like, I, I'll get right to the point here. Why did you kill 16 million mutants? Shifting over to Hank's lab, uh, he informs Emma that she is a living diamond. She's confused by the language he's using to explain mentioning that she's never heard of secondary mutations before. So this is something new even to some of the premier mutants. Well, it's new to us too, right? Yeah. I mean, is yes. it, was the secondary mutations a thing before this? Well, run? it's a thing, but it's not a widespread thing. From what I understand... Um... It was a thing, but it was never given a official like designation until Morrison wrote it down. Okay, yes. yeah. so cool. So uh, Emma serves as kind of our, you know, it's a vehicle for us yes. to learn about this. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Hank is explaining this shit. It's also the thing with like beasts mutating more into a cat-like form. Yeah, in, absolutely, in exactly. So Dr. McCoy is doing all kinds of uh, scientific looking tests on her. And he's like, look, you need to be patient with me. I am dealing with kind of a lot right now. She says, forgive me, Henry. Grief so often makes one shrill and judgmental. I do look rather spectacular in the light, don't I? Yeah. I love her so I love much. That. I love her so much. When she is written well, she is the best character to me. Yeah. I personally am such a fan of her being written in this yeah. perfect perfect way there's a lot of great little lines in here he describes himself as tony the tiger on barbiturates sure <laughs> which is pretty good. Yeah, like when that. when people get these characters right yeah it's just so satisfying i agree i mean when when emma's written well yeah she is so and and grant morrison gets emma emma's this posh her dialogue is aristocrat. so well but yeah. not even that like she's well, I mean, also that's very she, she was grew, she grew up in that kind of for lack of a better term blue blood kind but of but then now she's stuff. here yeah and it's exactly. very she's such a badass oh, she's such a badass and i just i'm loving it i'm i'm having a i'm having a blast here with emma she gets serious now and she says she saw children get cut into slices she watched a gifted 10 year old piano player search for his hands among broken glass God, so she's going horrific. to kill cassandra gene busts in with killing our enemies is magneto's way <laughs> the only way left is the professor's way <laughs> and then also like emma in her diamond form is it looks more like she's got diamond over her skin right yes. now the way it's yeah. colored yeah. She's like luminescent. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So they're still figuring out. It's fine. We get the point. Uh, Emma's like, no, nah, that's horse shit. Humans made sentinels to kill mutants. Cassandra gave the order. They're wiping us out. I've had enough of this. This one person murdered 16 million people. You don't get to be like, murder's wrong when it comes to m killing them. Yeah. You can kill them. Like, that's, please do. So anyway, she goes on to say, I've called a taxi telepathically, Gene. I've become the perfect Fabergé killing machine for a reason. Gene asks, what makes you such a bitch, Emma? Emma replies, breeding, darling. Top class breeding. <laughs> Classic. Just some excellent Emma. I'm here Just, for it. Yes. Every, 
Every day of the week. Um, real quick, I just want to mention that in later stories we see she's unable to use her telepathic powers while in diamond form. So this led me to do a little bit of Googling. I came across an internet discussion on this topic, and one of the commenters in there with the handle Christmas Farming <laughs> essentially said, and I'm completely paraphrasing this here. Okay. So Emma hadn't spent very much time in diamond form yet since it just recently happened. So we could say that the more often she transformed to her diamond form as time went on, the emotionless state that it brought upon her slowly desensitized her to emotions while in that form and her telepathy diminished over time while in that diamond state until eventually she was unable to use telepathy in that form whatsoever. Okay. And this, this commenter asks if it's no prize worthy. <laughs> which the no good prize. enough for me the marvel that no works. prize yeah I so mean, sure. I, I was gonna say maybe she's you know because we've seen her kind of in this half state maybe right. she's able to use her powers a little bit in their half state but i like that i like yeah. that explanation yeah. and i, I mean, don't know if it's a half state i just think they weren't they could, they, they didn't know what the art to exactly. use yet they didn't know how to do it yet and they were because they were still trying to figure this they hadn't out decided on yeah. it yeah so i i feel like that's a good enough explanation as any because she can here and then later she can't and it's a whole thing so you know yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Getting back to Cassandra. Uh, Beast is trying to explain something to the team. I'm just going to read it. He says, okay, she's from beyond the biological twilight zone. She looks human on the outside, but nothing like her has ever existed before. Uh, he goes on to say that he thinks Cassandra Nova is the first of a new unforeseen species and is worried this could start a war for the domination of the biosphere. Uh, so a little bit of a callback to like some of the opening scenes yeah, that we saw. Yeah, so yeah. Gene and Professor X are trying to de-escalate this. Wolverine cuts them off. Is like they're trying to ruin the dramatic atmosphere, Hank. Just ignore them. <laughs> Logan asks if Cassandra hunts people, a.k.a. non-mutants, to which Dr. McCoy responds that she doesn't need to, which is the scary part. Humans are no threat to her. The human race is facing extinction due to some genetic marker he's discovered. So Logan asks Professor X, hey, how, how come she looks like you, Chuck? And Beast starts to respond, but he's struck with some type of aphasia, saying, I think I can feel too funny, bad smell in my eyes, inside out thoughts, Gene, help, head, like he you know, can't yeah. form a sentence here. And Gene, because he immediately is like, well, Gene is psychic, maybe she can help me, but very quickly deteriorating here. And suddenly Cassandra opens her eyes and all the windows in the X-Mansion shatter at once. These panels extremely are dramatic. So cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it just happens out of nowhere. You can hear um, the music. You he can hear the music like, swell yeah. and just like this very just intense. Yeah, and I love the music. red sky. Yeah, you know, and the background of the mansion is very diabolical. And I, and I like how it's just like you know because Hank's going on for like two pages, you know, like a page and a half talking about all the stuff, and then when all of a sudden he's like, "Well, I can't feel." Yeah, I was just like, "Holy shit!" It's so yeah, yeah. it's just he just starts. It's just like, holy shit, his mind is being scrambled. Yeah. Uh, Professor X tries to take him into the X-Men by telling them to remember their formations, but Scott cuts him off saying, no formations, everybody on instinct. <laughs> so again, leader Scott. Yeah. He's not just yeah. a buy-the-playbook, follow-the-rules little cookie-cutter, I'm a, I'm a Boy Scout. You know, he's he does what's best in that moment, and he's like, yeah, no formations, just everybody on instinct. Everybody on instinct is such a... Oh, that gets me hyped. That gets me going. I'm like, oh, action time, you know? Yeah. Logan's like, don't let her speak, Jeannie. He's got a little nickname for everyone. Uh, Jean says that she's trying to navigate her consciousness, but there's just a big hole where she should be. Wow, yeah. Fuck, and asks, you know, uh, Charles Xavier for support. Xavier tries to sh shut down Cassandra's motor functions, but uh, Cassandra takes him out easily. I think, I like this sense of Scott actually being a leader in these pages. He just says, Hank. Yeah. And Hank says, check. Which is basically, 
hey, Hank, do you have the professor? And he's like, yeah, I got him. But they're so in sync, they don't have to waste any right, words yeah. or time or movement. There's no narration telling us. And then Beast goes right for him because Scott knows that he can trust him. No, the story tells us they trust each other. Yeah. Um, Scott leaps at Cassandra, letting his eye beams loose on her and says, Logan, ostensibly this is because he wants Wolverine to do a thing. But before we can see that play out, Scott lands on the ground and is greeted by a weird voice saying, Hellwello. The next panel is something that I... I've I've never been able to let go of this. Yeah. It is so perfectly psychedelic and weird and bumps this whole thing up to the next level for me. And it's only in one panel of this story. And it's just such a perfectly arresting concept. It strikes fear and fascination all at once. And it's so casually done. Yeah. yeah. And I am so fucking here for this. So according to the Marvel database website, the Black Bug Room is a hallucinatory representation of the unconscious of a person. Whoever enters their own black bug room will lose contact with reality and act only under the influence of their secret fears. Wow. Everyone allegedly has one, and Scott Summers' black bug room is, and another description here from, uh, from them, uh, it's a waiting room with its ground and wall covered with ooze inhabited by three immense speaking bugs whose hats are left on davits. What? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> now something I found odd here was that this website claims there is only one appearance of this. That is not the case. Yeah. It... John Cassidy's run on Astonishing X Men, which is a direct continuation of New X Men, very clearly shows an enormous splash page of Scott's Black Bug Room while Emma takes him on a journey through his own mind. Yes, so, yes, that's in there. Yeah, <laughs> someone wants that. to correct that. <laughs> Well, it is a wiki, so... Yeah, you know. Uh, Emma, in that scene, she says, your little private hell, courtesy of Cassandra Nova. Mine's much more upscale. You should come find me sometime. You know, it's very... So in that scene, again, I'm still... I'm talking about astonishing. She's discussing Scott's fears and traumas and all the things that are holding him back. Basically, she's being his therapist. Yeah. So the big black bug room, when I first saw this, I was immediately fascinated with this concept. And it made a reappearance, and I was really hyped. I... You know, I mean, I nearly dropped that book. I was, I was like, oh, that's the thing. Anyway, so these giant bugs are talking to Scott and they say, welcome to the black bug room. Everyone has their own black bug room. This is yours, Scott. Jean is freaking out. Cassandra's clearly in her mind fucking her up, right? Making her barf, etc. Scott is still reeling from his visit oh, yeah. to the bug room and he's like, Jean, listen to me. There are things we got to talk about. The bugs are saying this and that. And she's like <laughs> barfing on herself and just having a real oh, hard man. time. So she's taking them out, right? God. Beast yeah. walks up and smacks Scott upside the head, telling yeah. him to snap out of it uh, and help his teammates. Cassandra is building some kind of armor around herself and has obliterated one of Wolverine's arms, exposing his adamantium-coated skeleton underneath Terminator style. Yeah, this yeah. is so cool. There's a what lot happening. As, yeah, as her armor is like uh, forming around her, too. The movement is yeah. so... It's just nonstop. It's gorgeous. Um Scott seems to be in control of himself again and urges Jean to think about the oxygen molecules surrounding Cassandra and instructs her to make them go faster. Jean is really having a bad day here, but she confirms that she is, in fact, trying to make them go faster and faster. <laughs> uh, and you think about that? She can control fucking oxygen molecules? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. so limitless power, pretty much. Uh, suddenly, Cassandra explodes and Beast approaches Wolverine with enough painkillers to send a brontosaurus to Happy Land. <laughs> the brontosaurus, of course, very controversial because scientists cannot seem to agree on whether or not it's actually a real thing. 
People have been going back and forth on this one for a while. I'm oh, not going to pretend I'm qualified to make a call. Right, right. Apatosaurus it is would the real one. absolutely take a large amount of painkillers to make a difference on Wolverine. So the message is clear. Wait, uh, I love this. I thought a brontosaurus was renamed a brachiosaurus. Well, I don't know. Yeah, because they said the brontosaurus was. If you Google this or look at the wiki page, thing. it is a whole thing. Like they oh, took wow. the head of one dinosaur and put it's it in the a whole thing. So we don't know about yeah. brachiosauruses and brontosauruses. We don't know. Okay, so that aside. Yeah. I like how, like, you know, she was ripped the flesh off his arm, yes. but then by this panel and it's this growing. panel and the next page, you know, he's, it, it's, it's like you start to see the skin back on and it's starting to slowly kind of come back. It's, I love right. the progression. Fucking, yeah. 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 <laughs> we get the message, though, right? We get, yeah. we get the point. Logan tells Hank to save him for the brontosaurus because he's focused <laughs> on making sure Cassandra doesn't get away. Meanwhile, Emma's in her taxi about to leave the grounds when the taxi driver starts telling her an anecdote about when he was in school, saying that one day he discovered his teacher was a mutant and that genocide is too good for mutants. He asks what Emma thinks of the Genosha thing. Right. And she says, I'm like Miss Murphy. I'm a teacher too. She doesn't say she's mm. a mutant. I love that. Yeah. God, she's amazing. When she's written well, it's just the best character. She goes on, I, I, am, I am absolutely fighting the very strong urge to read all of her lines in a British accent. So you're welcome, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. I don't, I'm not making you sit through that, but uh, I, I hear her voice so strongly in my head. Anyway, she goes on to request that the cab driver take her to Van Cleef and Arpels on 5th at 57th, stating that she intends to have herself valued. The joke here, of course, is oh, that she's right. going to have herself appraised yeah. like a piece of jewelry because of her diamond skin situation. Van Cleef and Arpels is a French luxury jewelry company. It was founded in 1896. Okay, should I or no? I will. No, please, please do it. Please do it. By Alfred Van Cleef and his father-in-law, uh, Solomon Arpels, in Paris. Their pieces often feature flowers, animals, and fairies, and have been worn by style icons such as Grace Kelly, Eva Perron, Elizabeth Taylor, the Duchess of Windsor, Queen Nasli of Egypt, and Farah Pahlavi. They crafted actual crowns for those last two people on that list there. Uh, not that we endorse monarchies, but... Of course, Emma would go there to get her stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. This is kind of telling us again a little bit about uh, who Emma is. The way that she is joking around here is very clever and cute. Also, I like the way that uh, Frank quietly draws the rain. I like a really mm-hmm. good rain scene. I don't oh, know. Yeah. 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 And that's good. tough. That's tough to do. Uh, something oh, kind well, of... I never even noticed as she's driving away, the fucking X Mansion is smoking. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because of all the shit that's going that's down. happening there. Oh, my God. Um, something kind of interesting about this company, actually. I hate to keep talking about Van Cleef and Arpels. I read on the Wikipedia. I didn't know anything about this company. I read on Wikipedia that they patented a proprietary gem setting style called the Mystery Setting. This is a technique. And, like, whatever you feel about jewelry and, like, all this stuff, you know, whatever your feelings are politically otherwise, this is kind of an interesting, like, engineering thing. It's a technique where the prongs of the setting are invisible, so each stone is faceted onto gold rails less than two-tenths of a millimeter thick. This technique requires so much mastery, I think, to do probably, because it requires 300 hours of work per piece or more, and only a few are produced each year. So... Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty a, cool. Mystery. So they came up with that. So anyway, yeah. Whatever you feel about any of that stuff, it's just interesting to read about. It. Back to the story. Emma's got this epiphany happening while in the taxi because of the exploding X-Mansion, no doubt. And before they can even leave the grounds, she tells the cab driver to stop the car. Back into the fray here. Uh, Wolverine is leaping at Cassandra. Just a lot of leaping. God. The uh, action. Yes. The, the, I mean, I can't get over the way Frank yes. Wiley draws these characters. It is so X-Men, but like... In just a the coolest, freshest way, you it's the know. Best yes. It's the best X Men. It's the best X Men. 
And like Aubrey pointed out, uh, Wolverine, uh, his you know his right arm is still growing back, so he's using his left. Um, yeah. Ambidextrous here. Tries to use his claws to stab her, but she just phases through the wall and he can't get at her. Charles is like, "Don't let her reach Cerebra," but she gets into Cerebra, which is very extremely bad. Uh, what are her powers? She's a like, lot. Has everything is the answer. Yeah. I mean, like, what is anyway? A lot. Well, and like Hank was like, "We've never seen anything like this. Yeah. This is, you know." Isn't right. she like just like a mental construction? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh. Yes. Yes. She puts the Cerebra helmet on, and just as giant green ghost monster with a bunch of tentacles starts to emerge uh-huh. from her mind just as it looks like things are about to go completely sideways someone comes up from behind her and snaps her neck and it's emma in her diamond form she saved the day within the helmet too which mm-hmm. is so cool she just gets the whole helmet and just turns it yeah. in this three panel kind of reveal uh-huh. here like it's one pan i mean the way yeah. the page the whole way the page is divided up is Really amazing, and it's kind of like it reminds me of the logo too. Yeah, yeah. You know, the logo has the three lines to make the E and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. um, it's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. I like how when she's putting on the helmet, she's like, "Dear Charles, from here I can reach out and take hold of every mutant mind and extinguish it, but I only want one." Ah, oh, <laughs> chilling, chilling. Oh. So yeah, uh, so Emma does a little quip here too after she's snapped Cassandra's neck here. Some things you just shouldn't be allowed to get away with. Yeah. 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 Yes. 16 million. Yeah. So Logan and Scott are right there. Logan asks, you okay with this? (laughs) (laughs) To which Scott replies, she had to be neutralized. Scott then praises Emma, saying, I knew you wouldn't turn your back on us. To which she responds, sweet as you are. I didn't come back for you, Scott. I came for my handbag. Lucky for you, this is a Louis Vuitton. (laughs) So incredibly droll. Yeah. That one. Love her for it. Uh, suddenly, we've got the one last scare from the bad guy. You thought the bad guy was dead, but here they come for one last scare. And Cassandra starts to get up, but Charles Xavier shoots her a bajillion times with Chekhov's gun. Yeah. We showed you the gun earlier. Oh, here it is. Right. He fired it. Yes. Uh, Emma, Scott, and Logan are all covered in blue goop, which is Cassandra's blood. And a battle-weary Professor X says, it killed 16 million mutants. It would have killed us all. May posterity forgive me. May our children forgive us. Uh, so yeah, enough with this. We can't shoot the enemy who's doing genocide. That would make us just as bad as them. No, fuck all that. Shoot them. Shoot genociders. <laughs> Xavier is, you know, may posterity forgive me. And Emma's like, may our dry cleaners forgive you. But you deserve a medal for your marksmanship. And Wolverine's just like, hardcore, Chuck. <laughs> and he's clearly impressed. And Professor X, hey, you got to do what you got to do. And he says, he says the thing. And we all cheer. Yes. He goes, to me, my X-Men. And those are his X-Men It's now. the team. Here yeah. we go. We all look super cool. We're posing for the camera. Good stuff. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Here we've come to the denouement. Uh, Scott and Jean are in their bedroom. Jean is in bed. She's using her telekinesis to float a bunch of stuff around her, like books and papers and pens and pencils and postcards and keys and stuff. We got a little Easter egg here on the I, key ring. I we see a little guy. <laughs> I found oh, him. Wow. This is dupe. I didn't notice Ooh. that one at all. That's dupe. And for people wondering what we're talking about, uh, D-O-O-P, Google dupe for some weird, interesting facts about that little guy if you want to do that. There's I love a, uh, Unless you want to talk about dupe. Do well, you guys talk I was going to say, there is an ecstatic cover that I think of when I think of dupe. What is that? It's just him on the cover. Okay. It's uh, yeah. drawn by Mike Alred. Okay. Yeah. And oh, there is okay. A, yeah, I know what you're There's about. a later yes. Uncanny X-Men uh, issue. Damn it, I wish I... Oh, no. It's Wolverine and the X-Men number 25, I think. I know exactly. Yes, um, I know that it's, one. Uh, Mike yeah. Alred, and it's a Wolverine Mike dupe. And, uh, Maybe that's the cover that's I another... think of. That's a great issue right there, man. Anyway, I yeah. love me some dupe. I have the little dupe action figure. You do. So, you do. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's another um, artist that does psychedelic so well. Oh, yeah. Mike Alred. Yeah. Just so much really out there stuff, too. So, yeah. 
Uh, so Scott is watching TV and wondering aloud why Professor X is doing all these talk shows. And Jean is like, actually, let's talk about our marriage. And Scott is like, I was possessed by an evil spirit and it's messing with me real bad. And she's like, oh, boohoo. Oh, you, you're not the only one who's been possessed by an evil spirit. <laughs> fucking cry me a river. Call me a ambulance for you. I'm the fucking phoenix over here. And they're interrupted by the TV where Professor X is coming out to the entire world as a mutant. What? And that's where that ends. Okay. He's doing the I am Iron Man. I am Iron Man. Type of thing. Except. Yeah. That's seven years before Iron Man did it. Except instead of everybody being like, cool, you're a rock star. Everyone's like, boo, we hate you. Die. Well, another thing that I noticed from Iron Man that I didn't bring up earlier, you know, when Beast is in the DNA. Yeah. It reminded me of when um, Aldrich Killian. Oh, that's it. Aldrich Killian. Yes. Aldrich Killian is is in the brain. (laughs) He's in the brain. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. He's, when, in, and he's, he's in Gwen. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. when I think of this, and then this. This lights up here. It reminded me of that. Yeah. And that was also. Pepper's brain. It looks so, like stars. So uh, whoever read, like, whoever did those Iron Man, maybe they, like, read some of maybe. this. Maybe. They most likely did. Or it's yeah. also a very, I mean, the yeah, more that we, yeah. you know, hol- hologram, holographic, everything's a hologram. We, yeah. we step into, like, you know, Iron Man from the beginning has been like, my computers are just in the air. Yeah. yeah. Blue ones in the air. It's really neat. And so. <laughs> That would be so annoying. I'd be so annoyed by that. I would not like that. Okay. So issue number 121. A lot's happened. And if I don't include something, it's because it <laughs> has nothing to do with the story we're about to read. It's not pertinent information to what we're about to read. So, yes, the girl gets the bug wings and she was in one of those movies. and But it was way different. She looked different. Okay, okay, it's fine. But it has nothing to do with what we're doing. So... A lot's happened when we less, uh, uh, Cassandra Nova wasn't killed. She was just in a coma, but she came out of the coma and she took over Charles's brain and went on an interplanetary excursion with Lalandra in outer space. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt you. You're doing great, but I, I have a, I have a question. So, I'm gonna let you finish. So, <laughs> when Xavier shot Cassandra Nova uh-huh. and said to me, "My X Men," yeah. was that Cassandra Nova? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was her. Yeah, because she because it, it, later in the story it re, it's revealed that Cassandra Nova is the one who added all of them as you know Professor Xavier. Okay, she yes. was in a coma. She came out of the coma. She That's took over. Fucked per, up. She took over Professor X's brain. It's like when she said like, "There's like so many mutants I can exterminate, but this is the one that I, yes. there's only one that yeah. I want." So yeah, interplanetary vacation with Lalandra in outer space. Cassandra fucked up Hank McCoy's brain, made him attack a student. The student defended himself with a baseball bat. That's Beak. Uh, and put Hank in a coma, and also a lot of comas happening. Yeah. And also Wolverine and Jean are kissing and being secret sweethearts. Humans attacked the school. Jean turned into the Phoenix and exploded them all. Beast woke up and that said, "Help! Professor X is inside Cassandra's head, who is still in a coma." And Zorn is a guy that happened, but we don't need to talk about him because we'll skip that for now. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, we good. Yeah, no, right. that was great. I did like that panel when she had the Phoenix powers, though. Yes, yeah, so that, that was very cool. cool. But yes. you're right, it doesn't apply to it this. Really... It doesn't have anything to do with no. it, but it was cool. And there's so much other stuff that happened, but like you guys, we can't, I can't do, it doesn't have anything to do with what we're doing. So Cassandra basically put Charles into her comatose body, and she jumped into his conscious body. She swapped their places. Yeah. It's Freaky Friday time. That's all you need to know. Oh, and then they shot it a million times, too, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's. Yeah. So here we go. So opening page, boys. What do we think of opening page? I just love how it sets this up because this is a silent issue, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So it says the Xavier Institute, like you're going into the mansion, and then it just says silent, psychic rescue in progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's yeah. like okay. Here we go. You know what I mean? I'm in. Yes. I am bought in to this situation that is happening here. And the big omni at the end of the issue, and at the end of the thing, it has like a the script for this issue. 
and oh, it wow. talks about how like he wanted the front the top panel to be the close-up of the xavier thing and then the rest of it is just the whole yeah and yeah it was pretty cool really and, cool yeah and it is very well rendered as we see it's it's a beautiful rendering of just the sign on the outside of the school the xavier institute yeah. sign um some establishing shots some uh, mood shot if you will so we open on Emma and Jean about to embark on this psychic journey into Charles's mind. There's a little red neon sign that says silence. So everyone needs to be super quiet while the gals do their psychic stuff. I love the little kiss. Yeah. Yes. She gives a little kiss yes. before she goes in there. Beautiful she... pacing. Well, then like Scott like also tries to stop her to say something, and she turns and goes, yeah. puts their finger up to her lip, to be, as in like the universe yeah. side of be quiet. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Emma takes a swig of whatever alcohol is in that flask there. <laughs> really they, good. Yeah. So we get so much character coming through. Even in silence, there's no one saying anything. So of course you don't need to talk to have a personality. No, of course not. You know, we're just, everybody's just themselves. It's great. Beautiful pacing. Gorgeous framing. Their faces in shadow here with the soft pink glow yeah. of their psychic powers happening. Really fantastic. When their heads get close to, I guess, Cassandra Nova and Xavier's body, you notice how the color pattern starts spiraling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, it does kind of like set up that circular that kind of pattern. Psychic. And then, then you turn the page and it's that... This page is incredible. Yeah. Just, uh, this page speaks for itself. Some excellent psychedelic stuff going wow. on. Really amazing. It, it's like extreme fisheye layered panels. Just, yeah. just really... I mean, I can't describe. Yeah. It's just incredible. I, I have to talk, try to talk about some of the details in here because um, I really, we haven't, I don't know if we've talked about this as much. I love how Frank quietly draws Xavier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he looks like a man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's something about, like, I, I guess Patrick Stewart, and then they adapted that into the comics a little bit, but Xavier started to look like this kind of frail, long-faced you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm to, and like here, he looks like a he has a man's face. He looks like yeah. a, I don't know. I don't know how yeah. to describe it. No, yeah. But all the different emotions where he's crying and diabolically laughing, and then this really long gene. Right, and yeah, yeah. It's just like I don't and know. Like it's pokes so his cool. Head. And then like index finger. The way like in that top outermer circle, you see her feet, and then wrapped around, and like he touches her head, and you can see it kind of spiraling like with the staircase. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And oh, right, she's touching his head. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Just some just incredibly excellent psychedelic stuff going on with this panel. I just now noticed this at the top of the panel. It's his fucking face and yeah. her head and all yeah, that shit. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that great? Just yes. the kind of profile mm-hmm. in the darkness. Beautiful. Yeah. And of course, uh, Jean and Emma are descending a spiral staircase. So this kind of, that's where yeah. it's it's great. Uh, it's good stuff. The doors that are on the staircase look like Cassandra's face. Jean spots a large looming tower across a body of pink liquid of some kind. So it's like a you know a tower in the middle of like a lake or an ocean or something. Jean and Emma are communicating with symbols here. Basically, Jean is like, hey, are you in here too? And Emma's like, yeah, I'm in here too. Emma is asking if they should look behind one of the doors with the faces on. But as soon as Jean reaches for it, the face on the door becomes uh, super scary. That was a trick. <laughs> yeah. It was a trick. Jean wants to check out the tower. She senses Professor X in there. And while Emma is trying to figure out how they're going to get across the water, uh, the doors blast her with bright blue laser beams. But Emma has her diamond form and she's yeah. fine. She starts battling the door. Jean uses her telekinesis to form a bridge out of bricks and stuff. Her hair makes the shape of a phoenix as she walks across the bridge towards the tower. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love yeah. um, when Emma gets fried and then she's fine. Like that little diamond that appears yeah. next to her. It's almost like a... 
it's yeah. so brilliant the way that they're able to convey so much with just these very shapes. smug, very yeah. smug too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Emma watches Jean while she still has uh, the goopy door hanging from her hands, and the tower that Jean is trying to get to has a bunch of Cassandra faces at the top. They start shooting blue lasers from their eyes at her, destroying the bridge, <laughs> causing her to fall into the pink water or liquid or whatever it is below. Uh, it's liquid. It's pink liquid. So I have so theories about why so the liquid. Yeah, and weird. I have some theories about about why the liquid is pink, but I'll just uh, leave that. Emma sticks out her tongue at Jean from afar, while the creepy doors continue to attack her. There's like a mouth with teeth getting her leg, and another door yeah. is spitting green goop at her. The goop is full of letters. Jean swims over to the so, tower. You know, so weird, right? Some, yeah. some people might think, oh, it's cheap to put letters in the goop. Well, I what if that's a part of the mind that the language is being confused and, and, and Cassandra's trying well, to form yeah. a barrier? Word yeah. salad. You yes. know, that's yeah. when people have aphasia. That's mm-hmm. I mean that's that's, that's how, how people you would describe draw it. that. I mean, that's a right. a brilliant way to can't get your thoughts in order. Right. Like Cassandra that. is, you know, making that happen and so we're seeing a cassandra face making that happen yeah so there you go gene swims over to the tower and reaches a door with two swords crossing it forming an x shape and then also like it's surrounded by a bunch of letters that gene is it is absolutely there you go the shore that she's standing on is formed by giant stone letters so a lot of letters going on everywhere gene easily tosses the doors aside using telekinesis and enters the tower Uh, inside the tower there's a lot going on here there's clocks fish shoes Hanging from the walls. Stack of books here. A cage with two tiny people, skeletons inside. Spine bones going up the cage post there. Here we come to Professor X. He is naked. He is bound by a bunch of chains. His head is enormous. Looking like he's had a super uncomfortable time there. Um, It looks very painful. Yes. yes. uh, There are what look to be children's drawings on the walls behind him. Two mannequin torsos with heads covered in gas masks. He is using telekinesis to float a bunch of machines parts all around him as well as some uh, crutches. It's his his, uh, wheelchair. Right. Yes. Yep. That's yeah. a wheelchair. Thank you. Okay. It almost looks like they're orbiting or yeah. something, but it yeah. makes an X too. Um, so that's also. the that's the chair, and we've got crutches up to the side there. In front of him is a tiny jar with a fetus inside. Right. Yeah. Gene mm-hmm. picks up a snow globe that has a married couple inside in their wedding clothes, uh, as well as a bunch of sperms swimming around. And suddenly, Gene is swimming in there with the sperms, and she watches as they reach an egg and make some twin fetuses. One of these fetuses wakes up and starts punching the other fetus. So just a big fetus punch up. Just this, a, is, this is just like... Pe- fetus a, cage have match. Have you ever seen anything like no. this? No. Like, I'm like, Aside from a heavy I, metal... Like, what am I reading? Like, <laughs> or some weird indie this, shit. Like, yeah. Really, um... This is X-Men. What are we doing? <laughs> I love it. But I, I like how it, it how slow it goes. You yeah, know? It's the, like, there's pacing. It's I mean, like one page and it's all sunny and then it goes to... And then like the when the one... Fetus yeah. wakes up, yeah, and it looks and notices the other one, yeah. Oh, that is so good. Like so, before this, it's all well. What we want to have is we want to have Magneto and Toad in there, and make sure that you put, you know, Scott and Jean in there, and they have married troubles, and Scott's right. a little doofus, and Grant Morrison's like, I don't want any of that. I'm not gonna do any. Of that. I'm not gonna do any of that. In this comic, two fetuses are gonna fight each other. I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that. We're having psychedelic. Only all day long, every day, with fetuses fighting each other. So the, <laughs> the one fetus punches and then tries to strangle the other one. Strangling that same fetus, yes. With yeah. the umbilical cord. The fetus that's being strangled is having none of it and emits some blue light from their face, causing the woman that is um, carrying these twin fetuses to emit blue light from their face, right. and that woman falls down these stairs. 
Jean tosses the snow globe away, which is now full of blood. And she approaches Charles Xavier, who is crying and still chained to the floor full of pink goop. Jean emerges from the tower glowing pink and floating towards Emma, and the tower is suddenly obliterated into individual stones. That's, I mean, what can you say about that? That's just... Everything is so amazing all the time in these books. Frank Quitely, man. So this is how Cassandra imprisoned him. Uh Yeah. You know what I mean? In a thoughts prison. Yeah. Emma is having a hard time. She's being suffocated by the green letter goop, and Jean helps her by removing the goop from her face and using the goop letters to spell out a sentence which says, Hello, Emma. Thanks for the help. (laughs) (laughs) Emma stands up and kicks the door one last time and turns to follow Jean towards the big-headed Charles, who's washed up on the beach, and Jean hugs him. The last few pages here, we see Wolverine and Cyclops sitting outside the door, waiting patiently. Logan's reading a book, and Scott is listening to some headphones. The silence sign turns off. Uh, the girls exit the room into the hallway where the boys are waiting. Jean says, Professor X tried to kill his twin sister while they were in the womb. We got to talk about this. <laughs> and that's it. And yeah. That's the end of the issue. Okay. That was, uh... What do y'all think? This was my pick. What do you think of my pick? Yeah, there is just so much. I mean, I, I like this. Um, as they're leaving the place, Emma gives this last little kick. Yeah to the goop yeah. and all that stuff yeah. that like you know it totally killed her trying to be cool you know after she survived the fire or whatever she's just wrestling with this the whole time and jean's over yeah. there doing the actual spelunking into a mind thing. yeah and and just like aubrey said how slow it is and how they really give it time to, to breathe yeah you know yeah. the individual panels and yeah. um it just adds a lot of weight to it like a lot of times when you read um, one of these silent issues, you're like, oh, okay, that was it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this yeah. is like, you really feel like you got something really interesting that made you think. Like, no, there weren't a lot of words to read on the page, but you spent so much time on the page trying to figure out what the fuck Looking is happening. Looking at exactly. it and, yeah. And analyzing it and going, oh, okay, this and that. And it's like, and it even makes you want to go back and look at it a second time. This one issue feels as long as a trade. Yeah. yeah. And, and you you want to digest it more now that you know how it ends. And you This know, stuck in my mind. Yeah. For I, years uh, and years, it's just such a unique and it's such a standout yeah it issue. Really is. like it's if you haven't checked it out already i would uh definitely look in the back of the omnibus it has the entire script by the panels wow and so you can see how morrison's like um each panel is like written out like this is how it's going to go this is what's going to do and then frank quietly wow, got this script yeah. and it's all like all right yeah threw it all out <laughs> And then, and then, you know, I feel, I feel like that's quietly. how Mor- uh, Morrison probably writes their scripts. Yeah. And like, you know, hands it off to Quietly, and then comes back, and then he goes in and adds the dialogue and stuff like that. But this time, he just didn't have to add any dialogue. Right. There's yeah. a lot of trust there too yeah. that like Quietly can handle all yeah. of this outrageous stuff yeah. that's happening. Yeah, in that documentary, talking with gods. There was a fun little montage of all the artists going, how am I going to draw this? How am I going to draw this? They all all get that reaction when they get one of Morrison's scripts. Yeah. uh, But Quietly and Morrison are sitting on a couch together like, yeah, we're old mates. Yeah. It's, you know. It seems like they have have a different relationship for sure. And um, That's very special though when you have, uh, when you can form that kind of a team with someone. It's almost like they're in a band, but it's comic books. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I was reading something this week about um, Morrison and when they started writing the X-Men. They were just coming off the Invincibles, or Invisibles. When they went and saw the Matrix, 
Um, oh yeah, and mm-hmm. they were talking about, and this article was talking about yeah. like Morrison had just like seen this and how yeah it was definitely yeah. Uh, the, apparently, there's a scene in the Matrix that is a almost shot for shot from the yeah. Invisibles. Which I haven't read, but I would like to read that. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, and so, like in the Matrix, was put out by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers put out uh, yeah. the Invisibles, and so like he and this is speculation. So Morrison had been writing for DC forever, and so they decided they wanted to go give Marvel a try, and then <laughs> they were writing. And we're for- all so glad that they did that. <laughs> and uh, and it was like great in the beginning, but then like they started clashing with um, like Joe Casada and Phil Jamis about uh, yeah. the direction of the certain particular characters and you're gonna when it's like yeah you're so used to having this all done by committee and we're you know and then you got this one person yeah it's just like i don't want to do any of that i do something weird right yeah and so that can only go for that's only sustainable for so long for a right. corporation yeah right like and and you know like um I didn't read a lot of the X-Men during the 90s because I just wasn't collecting during that time. But I read, you know, the Claremont stuff. And then it was this Grant Morrison new X-Men got me back into reading the X-Men. And then, yeah. uh, but then I was a little disappointed because of the whole, you know, House of M de- mutant decimation thing. But then mm. I like, started reading, I started reading SFD Astonishing and blah, 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 blah. This Grant Morrison new X-Men is my favorite of the modern era X-Men. Yeah. But I haven't read the John and the Hickman stuff. They started, so off, what do you do? They, started, <laughs> they started off this whole, maybe the X-Men can be something. Yeah. More than what yeah. it's just been so far. Really reinvented it in a yeah. way that you didn't think could be done yeah. for a series like this. Comics in general. Yeah. Sequential art in general. I, they yeah. kind of brought that sort of indie, psychedelic, experimental feel to a mainstream comic book. Yeah. yeah. What's that? I mean, we're coming off the back of Holofoils and... Mm-hmm. You know, Crazy the ass. platinum covers oh, or whatever and all that Jeez. stuff. And the holograms yeah. and... Uh, you know all those things, and like, and then, it, and then we get this. Yes. You know yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really actual storytelling, uh, and, and it's still refreshing. It holds up. Yes. Man. I mean, oh, it's yeah. like it's 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 part of the timeless X Men, groundbreaking and, uh, art and storytelling. That, like you said, like you see this in a lot of, you know, indie stuff. But they were like, let's take this into a mainstream property and see where that gets us. And it's oh. yeah. So, awesome. like you said refreshing and it, it's very yeah and you can you can also tell that morrison really likes the x-men and wants to treat yeah. them with respect and yeah. not like make everything like you were saying like you know scott's not like all cynical throughout the whole thing you or, have to care you know, about the characters that yeah. you're it's telling like, these stories about he, he's really it's like he tells a really deep emotional story story but it's so earnest and you know truthful it's character driven it's character you're interested in what's happening on the pages you're not skipping through and then um some of like the i mean like some of the stuff that gets later into the later issues and stuff like that like the relationship between logan and scott is just like i really like this it's not like both fighting over gene it's like there's that one story where like logan and scott go help phantom x do some shit and he's all like he says to phantom x he goes don't worry about him there's nobody more I would rather have guard my back than Summers. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because he knows yeah. Summers is a stand-up fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. These they little... make him a badass. They make him yeah. more of a badass. I thought these in little this run. these yeah. little interpersonal moments between all these characters, the little you know dialogue and, and and all of that. It's it's character driven and it's it's very um, but it's still so it you can tell big broad stories. Yeah. With these characters and how they experience it and as truly. I fucking want that. I crave that yeah. mineral. Yeah. Give it to yeah. me. <laughs> Give it. Awesome. Yeah. 
Well, wow, Danielle, that was amazing. I thought you did a fantastic job taking yes. us through some X Men stuff. I it, cannot take credit for any of this. We have no, but uh, thank you for for suggesting the story. Yeah. Oh yeah. This was really good, and yeah. it, you know, we haven't really talked about the X Men, and what a cool you know way to, yeah. to to start that conversation, and hopefully turn some people onto that uh, series if you haven't read it or if you have you know a, a good way to revisit it because yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just a great piece of the marvel history and if you came to this and you never knew i didn't know sequential art could be this yeah i didn't know it could be this yeah there's so much like this from not a gigantic corporation but i feel like you know morrison and quietly were like let me put this in your face and see how you like this and if you like it go explore go read some other stuff yeah. that's weird and like you know this and yeah. so I, you know, this is us giving you permission to read something totally out, outside the box and weird uh, and let this be your kind of um, your gateway comic book. Awesome. If that's the case. You know, it's also hilarious. It's like while Morrison was over on New X-Men writing, like probably one of the best X-Men runs ever. And that's the thing is like it's 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 you're you're dealing with these characters that you know, but it's yeah. weird. And so like, you know, Chuck Austin's over on Uncanny X-Men, which is written, wrote what one which is considered the worst X-Men story oh, ever. Oh, yeah. oh no. I uh, yes. Oh, we won't no. talk about that. Oh no. Okay. No. Yeah. We won't talk about that no. on this podcast. Unless we're just unless we're just having like a like Is a this would you would you compare this to the Clone Saga? It's no, not it's not that bad. It's not that bad, he says. <laughs> no, I mean, at least in it's, terms of badness well, level. Well, at least it's a singular vision. On, I will it, give it that. Okay, it's it's, it's something. There and was so does, many. It has X some really books. weird, questionable choices that we won't talk about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just Google it if you want to know. No, no, no. Well, I think at this time that they they, they also streamlined their X yes. X Men books at the time That's because right. they had like seventy thousand being printed at the time, and then um, Joe Casada's like, no, we're gonna have. Five or four or something like that, you know. You don't want to dilute. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so much richness that can be mined from that that you don't want to just totally. Yeah. What did you think? Tell us what you think. Yeah, fantastic. Yes. Awesome. I'm excited to hear what you thought of new X-Men. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. I am also excited to know what you guys think of the new it's X-Men. It's a book club. Have you guys read it? I mean, I, I know I know a lot of you guys are probably out there have read it, so I want to hear what you thought. Send us a hey, you damn guys, at bookclubmembercomics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bookclubmembercomics and on Twitter at bookclubmembers. As always, you can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website and our Facebook About section and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gautahan from the theme music. Awesome. Thank yeah. you, Paul. Oh, and then I, I thought about this the other day i was listening to the podcast uh thank you only beast for providing the uh, uh, opening theme uh, <laughs> there you go um we got some music in there mm. thank you danielle for picking this wonderful amazing x-men story and i i it's read weird. and i read the whole omnibus <laughs> i know <laughs> it's talk. hard to stop reading it once yeah, you get into so it so it's just so good it flows so well you, you, you do it real fast guys yeah. and thank you john for all your amazing editing work i've been loving what you're doing like when magneto answered the door ding dong oh, oh all the little sound effects yeah. yeah that's so I good fun. With that. it's fun uh you can find the podcast on any of your podcast platforms also if you would give us a five-star review on the itunes that really helps out the show yes next week west matthias is going to be joining us again and we talk about baltimore west and, matthias. The, and the curse bells remember is, issues one and two I can't believe you made it through that whole sentence. Good job, Aubrey. Thank you. So you know what to do. Pull out them trades, back issues, floppies, digitals, hoopla apps, and join us next week on Book Club Member Comics. Nice. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm a big weird bug room. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, my chair, please, Henry. <laughs> <laughs>
Next move. Next move. Next move.